0: Welcome to Hoopsville, everybody, and, uh, and to another Sunday evening. I am your host, Dave McHugh. We are coming from the WBCA and ABC studios, of course, presented by D3hoops.com. A lot to cover tonight. We will try and get to a lot of it, and we'll try and be a little bit quick about it as well. Um, first and foremost. It's chaos in Division III. Uh, not really, but somewhat. It, of course, has been um, fascinating to watch uh, the top 25 in at least men's basketball go through the topsy-turvies that is Division Three basketball. Um, it has been a lot about parity this year, and we once again have a lot of losses in the top 25. Amherst lost to Eastern Connecticut earlier this week, 87-75. 70, Whitworth lost to Pacific, 90-88 to 88 on Friday night. If I'm not mistaken, I believe the first time Pacific has beaten Whitworth at all since 2008. First time I think they've beaten Whitworth at Whitworth since 2004. I may have that backwards, but incredible win for Pacific. Uh, Eau Claire lost to River Falls. We mentioned that on Thursday night show. They then went on to beat Whitewater. Whitewater, after starting undefeated, has lost... Two in a row in conference play. I think that number 11 ranking was too high in the first place. I wasn't even voting for him. Um, And uh, we'll see what happens. You don't want to be Wesleyan. Wesleyan came into the week undefeated 11-0. Remember, had the win over Marietta. Lost to Rhode Island College 62-55. Lost to Middlebury 83-65. And lost to Hamilton 92-76. Not even close. None of those games... Except for the Rhode Island College game, we're close. Uh, Wesleyan was number nine. Even I'm thinking about maybe we were a little too quick on Wesleyan, though I like the Cardinals. I like what they look like. I thought the Marietta win was beyond solid. Doesn't look that way now. North Park lost to Carthage early in the week. I wonder if Carthage, how much love they may get. Then beat North Central. 76-73. 76-73. Whitewaters, we mentioned, lost both games to La Crosse and Eau Claire this week. Marietta lost to Ohio Northern 101-91. Marietta now 9-4, which surprises me. The rest of the top 25, 14-22 through 22 unscathed, which is saying something for a change. New Jersey City played one game this week, lost to Montclair State. I saw that game earlier in the week. Let's call it bad luck. Um, I still like New Jersey City. They'll come down. They'll fall out of the top 25 most likely. They won't fall out of my ballot. And then Williams lost two out of three. Enters the top 25 at number 25, beats Oyanta, 74-62, then loses to Amherst 80-72 and loses to Trinity today 65-73. And there are 14 losses in those receiving votes. Uh, Emory lost to Rochester. Wartburg lost to Loris this week, Lycoming lost to Lebanon Valley, North Central lost to Augustana and North Park, Endicott lost to Western New England, we'll learn more about that coming up in the show, Brockport played three games and lost two, lost the first one to Carnegie Mellon, lost the third one to Geneseo, Bethel lost to St. Thomas, Chicago lost to WashU on one of the craziest plays you have ever seen, we'll try and get that for you in a moment. Virginia Wesleyan lost to Randolph-Macon. WPI lost to Springfield and MIT. And Misericordia lost to FDU Florham. It was one of those weeks in Division Three. again, at least on the men's side, to say the least. On the women's side, a little bit more status quo, but still some upsets there to talk about. And it starts in the top five. Number five, Wash U, losing to Chicago 75 68 on Saturday to start UAA play. Carnegie Mellon lost to Case Western Reserve 87 78. We'll talk a lot more about the UAA coming up in this show. Bowden, number 17 in the country, lost to number one Tufts. Really no surprise there. Wheaton lost to Illinois Wesleyan by one, and Calvin lost to Trine to start the week. In the receiving votes category, this is where the women's losses piled up. NYU lost to Brandeis. So all the top teams in NYU pretty are most of the top teams in the UAA lost except for Rochester this weekend. Hartwick lost to Ithaca. I mean, I'm sorry, Ithaca lost to Hartwick. Marymount lost to number 7 Christopher Newport today. It's not a shocking loss. Augustana lost to Wheaton. Baldwin Wallace lost to Mount Union and Wilmington. Lewis and Clark lost to George Fox and Puget Sound granted taking on two teams ranked ahead of them probably not a shocker there but certainly doesn't help their cause. Stevens Point lost to Oshkosh on Wednesday, and Williams lost to Amherst. No surprise there. On Friday, so a little bit, a little bit more losses in the women's top twenty-five. Definitely want to show you this video out of Chicago before we got to get going with the rest of the show because there's a lot to talk about tonight or today in the t- or on the show, and we'll get you the the means of what we're getting to in just a moment. Um. Just bear with me. I'm looking for my direct link. That would be a lot helpful. More helpful to get to the video I want. And here it is. So, Chicago and Wash U came down to the end. Well, wrong video. Of course it was. Um, hmm. Here it is. Nope. Um, wrong link. We'll have to get it another way. Um, If you didn't see the Chicago finish yesterday, it was insane. Um, Chicago and Wash U battling to the end. Of course, this game is at Chicago. And it came down to who was going to be able to take the last shot and survive, essentially. For Wash U, it ended up being very much in their favor, which was obviously good for them. We have a couple angles of this, and I'm trying to call up the best one for you. So bear with me. I thought I had this, and I don't. And this is also because a testament today of how crazy today was in general. Um, It was a busy, busy day. Uh, We have got a lot. It all related around the show. So one of those things where you couldn't... Here we go. Here is the ending of the WashU-Chicago game. Chicago hits a basket with about 13 or so seconds left. And that's when... Basically chaos erupted. Uh, we'll get rid of our graphics so you can try. Uh, you're not going to be able to see it anyway, but you'll try and enjoy it. And, and well, good luck. Seconds left, and, and that's, that's when got to play hit play, basically play 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 chaos erupted. Uh, uh, we'll get rid no of our cares. graphics so you can Ties try. You're not going to be able to see it anyway, but Ten. you'll try and enjoy seconds it. And, and Mouth, good, luck. good luck. Guarded by Howard, Cuellar driving
1: baseline,
2: throws it chaos out, takes it right. up, takes it in. We'll try it. No good. Ball's tipped.
0: Let's play minutes. So, what's the so what's the outcome, outcome of that? Out that? Gold we'll hit the out. shot it's while it was still, still coming down to the so rim. hope you uh, so have So what's the outcome, the outcome out of, that? Out of that? Hit the wrong button. Gold right? Tendon. Tendon. hit the shot. No matter, uh, despite the fact that the basket had not. The ball was still in the air at the at the buzzer. Even though the whistles had blown, even though the buzzer had sounded, the ball's still in the air. Don't touch the ball! Unfortunately, the player did. And we'll try and show you pictures later if we have time. Actually, I, I have those pictures, possibly. Um, it was, first off, if you're curious if if he got it in in time, the answer is Yes. Um, we'll see if you can see this. Nah, you really can't. Just trust me, got the shot off in time. Second of all, um, the ball was in the cylinder. Clearly in the cylinder. And... You can't touch the ball, even if it doesn't look like it's going to go in. If it's going to hit the rim, if it's going to be in the area of the cylinder, and if it's on its way down, it's goaltending. So WashU beat Chicago on a goaltending buzzer-beater three-pointer, or maybe a deep two. I don't I don't remember. Unbelievable finish, to say the least. Of course, there's argument about whether there was a charge there. I think it was a good no-call. There's a charge question about whether it got off in time. Pretty sure it did. And then the goaltending. So that's a tough way to take a loss, that is for sure. We'll be talking plenty about that down the road. All right, so here's the deal. We got a lot to talk about tonight. Um, Stevens Point was obviously the big story on Thursday, it continues to be a big story. The allegations coming out against Stevens Point, and they talk about those allegations. Basically, they got word from the NCAA these are the allegations, these are the violations so what are you going to do about it before we send this to the infractions committee for them to decide so stevens one comes out says bob Semling's gonna be parked for 13 games basically the rest of the season i should say which equals 13 games we're going to put kent to um kent uh, their assistant coach in charge of the team et cetera, etc uh please have mercy on us is what they're saying what does it all mean well There's a lot of questions. So we went to Brad Duckworth, the athletics director at Stevens Point, former athletics director at Alverno and women's basketball coach at Alverno. And Brad agreed to come on the show with us. We will hear from him as to the allegations and why those allegations aren't just allegations. Why they mean more than just saying that they're allegations uh, we will also hear, and then we'll switch into <laughs> to coaches. We'll hear to Alex Lang, head coach at Brooklyn. Believe it or not, the Bulldogs women's basketball team in pretty good shape in the CUNYAC. We'll talk to him about the Atlantic region. Also coming up, we will talk, we will introduce the WBCA center court segment. We'll talk to Thomas Cuddy, uh, Christy Thomas Cuddy from Emory. We'll also talk uh, women's basketball Um with uh, well, we'll go up back to the central and talk Benedictine women's basketball with their head coach, and then we'll talk Endicott men's basketball out of the North uh, East with Kevin Bentoncourt about his squad and the Triple C race. So that's all coming up here on Hoopsville. Plenty to cover, so we're gonna get right to it. Coming up next, we talk to the Stevens Point men's basketball coach. I'm sorry, the Athletics Director, about the men's basketball coach and the men's basketball program. It's a must-watch, must-listen-to segment. Here, pretty much the timeline. What Brad knew and what he didn't know before he took the job. And again, why these allegations are to be considered serious. He talks extensively with me. We appreciate it, and you'll hear that coming up. You're listening to Hoopsville, presented by d3hoops.com. From the WBCA and ABC Studios. Don't forget, at the end of the show, we'll have the Hoopsville mailbag. If you've got a question for us, email us, hoopsville, at d3hoops.com. We've got a few submissions that we will get to, but if you have others, please send them our way. Don't forget, if you're watching this on demand or listening on the podcast and have downloaded the podcast through SoundCloud or iTunes, you can participate in the mailbag as well. We'll take questions during the, the time we're not on the air and answer them when we're on the air. So make sure you email us, hoopsville at d3hoops.com. Don't forget, follow us on Twitter at d3hoopsville as well, and much more. You're listening to Hoopsville, presented by d3hoops.com, from the WBCA and ABC studios. Up next, Stevens Point women's basketball, and men's basketball, under investigation, why the athletics director, or how the athletic director explains what's going on.
3: My name is Marcus Walker. I was All-State, won a state championship, a high school All-American, and played college and pro ball. I play because I love the game. I grind to be the best. I sweat because I put in work. I'm strong because I believe. When I want to bring it before game time, I come to the house that college basketball built, the CBE. No matter your skill, take it to another level. Elevate your game right here at the College Basketball Experience at Sprint Center.
4: I'm a Division III student-athlete, and I know how powerful words can be. The term gay doesn't mean stupid, lame, or less than.
5: So I pledge to speak up if I hear the term gay used in a derogatory way or any other homophobic terms.
6: If you can play, you can play in Division 3
5: I'm a Division Three student athlete, and my teammates unconditionally accepted me as part of their family. So now I pledge to do the same for others. If you can play, you can play in Division 3
2: We've got more schools than Division I, more fans than Division II, and more upsets than March Madness.
0: Welcome back to Hoopsville, everybody. Hope you uh, have been enjoying the show. Obviously, we're just getting underway. uh, Last block, kind of catching up on what we were unable to catch up on Thursday. Um, Plenty more to talk about. We could do the show almost nightly, to be honest with you. Though, honestly, we couldn't, but we could. Uh, And we'd have plenty to talk about. Uh, Well, there appears to be a problem with our video. Isn't that convenient? We will get to solving that as soon as possible. We taped a number of segments today. Um, and so we will move on to another segment unfortunately this will throw off those who were uh, checking in to time our show as it were but we will go to another segment unfortunately i apologize for that for anybody who is tuning in Um, we will get you the stevens point segment here later in the show Um, i'm not sure the problem we will find a way to solve that problem and get you that segment a little bit later In the meantime, we'll take another break. When we come back, we'll talk Benedictine women's basketball. That's coming up here on Hoopsville. You listen to Hoopsville presented by D3Hoops.com. From the WBCA and ABC Studios, more Hoopsville after this.
3: My name is Marcus Walker. I was All-State, won a state championship, a high school All-American, and played college and pro ball. I played because I love the game. I grind to be the best. I sweat because I put in work. I'm strong because I believe. When I want to bring it before game time, I come to the house that college basketball built, the CBE. No matter your skill, take it to another level. Elevate your game right here at the College Basketball Experience at Sprint Center. This is our It's On Us pledge. It's on us to make a personal commitment to help keep all
4: people safe from sexual assault, regardless of race, gender, sexual orientation, or ability. Not to be bystanders to the problem, but to be leaders of the solution. We invite you to join us in this campaign by informing your campuses about the It's On Us mission.
2: We've got more schools than Division One, more fans than Division Two, and more upsets than March Madness. There's 800 programs with over 11,000 games leading to two national championships. And we've been covering it all for over a decade from Eastern to Occidental, from Puget Sound to Piedmont, from Southwestern to the University of New England, and from Hope to Calvin. Nobody covers Division III basketball like we do. We're D3Hoops.com at www.D3Hoops.com.
7: Cheer for the stumbles. The he should have had that. And the tears that linger. For in those moments, greatness lies. There, you will find the provoked, the determined, the unified. It's in those moments that champions are born. Cheer for the stumbles, the he should have had that, and the tears that linger. For in those moments, greatness lies. There, you will find the provoked, the determined, the unified. It's in those moments that champions. Are born.
0: And welcome back to Hoopsville, everybody. Hope you're enjoying the show. If you've got any questions for us, you can always tweet us at D3 Hoops or hashtag Hoopsville. Email us, hoopsville at d3hoops.com or join us on Facebook, facebook.com slash Hoopsville. Of course, you can always join us on Instagram, at d3hoopsville there as well. Uh, don't forget, upcoming mailbag segment, the Hoopsville mailbag. So use that email address, hoopsville at d3hoops.com. We will try and answer your questions. Of course, the mailbag segment, really popular for those who uh, listen to the show, not live, but via the podcast. If you'd like to download the podcast you can find it on soundcloud.com you can also find it on itunes don't forget you can watch a show on demand as well so uh, a jam-packed show and we will keep our pace moving here a little bit we'll jump back out into the uh, central region as it were talking women's basketball and keep that theme alive as well and let's talk about a team that uh probably similar to the men's team in the sense that came out of nowhere but at the same time maybe a little bit a little bit more slowly than the men's team did last year if you remember the men's benedictine squad last year they made a statement going undefeated all the way to the championship game before taking their first loss of the season certainly well deserved well if you haven't noticed the women's team Try to do a little of that themselves this year. They are currently 11-2 overall. One Had an eight-game winning streak, well, unfortunately, until Saturday came along. And they lost to also fellow undefeated Wisconsin Lutheran. We'll talk a lot about that and plenty more. What exactly do we make of the Eagles? Well, their second-year head coach, Charlie Avercamp joins us here on the co- show. Coach, I forgot to ask you beforehand. I hope I said the name right.
8: Uh, it's Avercamp, but it a- works as well. Works well,
0: we've got it now, so we're good. Uh, again, 11 and 2 on the season. This is a team that, um, geez, just three seasons ago only won 12 games. Uh, 16 games last year. You're at least on your way to equaling, if not bettering, the last couple of seasons. you got to be thrilled with this start.
8: Yeah, we're, we're, we're off to a great start. Um, when you look at our roster, we have no seniors on the roster. So coming into the season, we had a lot of unknowns. And the hard work and determination they put in from the summer on has just been fun to watch, and we're uh, we got a lot more to go this season.
0: Now, obviously, we'll get into some of the nuances here, but real quick, started the season three and zero with the wins over Lake Forest and overtime. We'll go Thorpe and Manchester. North Central and their pesky little uh, system offense tripped you up, uh, but it was pretty, you know, right and tight. Ninety-seven, eighty-nine. Then you went on that eight-game winning streak over Aurora and St. Mary's of Indiana, Marion, Rockford, Edgewood, Concordia, Wisconsin, Dominican, and Alverno before Wisconsin Lutheran tripped you up on Saturday. During that eight-game stretch, what was working?
8: How well we actually we had some injuries, we had some people out, so we had a, a lot of changes. So every kind of game was a little bit different. Um, some games we played really good defensively some games uh, our offense just carried us through um so we've kind of had a little bit of both but the, the thing that really kept us going afloat throughout was just that consistency and staying together as a team we preach that every single day in practice no matter how good we're playing offensively or defensively if we stick together and continue to grow we're, we're going to go a long way
0: uh, if anyone's noticed on the screen, the uh, the the botch attempt on my part, we have changed the logo. You are now a Whitman squad. Just so you know, uh, you can now move out to the northwest officially. Uh, just kidding. We'll we'll get that fixed as we go along here. So, what happened in the Wisconsin Lutheran game? Is this is this just a matter that Wisconsin Lutheran is just that darn good, or is it a matter that um, you know it's just one of those days and it happens, et cetera?
8: Well, you, you give them credit. Obviously, they've been very successful for a long period of time here. So. Um, at halftime, it was it was a one-point game. Um, this was our fourth game in eight days. I think we, we ran out a little bit of gas in that third quarter. Um, credit to, to our team coming out ready to fight. And, you know, we didn't give up. Um, there was no no quit. There was no head down. But, uh, you know, we're excited to have them again in a couple weeks.
0: Yeah, obviously, this is a conference game, so we'll rematch it in, in a little bit. It gives us a chance to talk about this conference. Both teams came in undefeated on top of the conference. So it was a really nice Ah, uh, battle for first place, and and that gives us usually a good barometer of what's going on in the conference, especially this time of year. They beat you sixty five fifty four in a bit of a low scoring affair. Uh, is this a team that you guys can beat, and you guys can stay on top of the conference with, or is this a is this the team that's going to be the uh, class of the conference, as it were?
8: Uh, I, I absolutely think we can we can take them down. Um, it's going to take you know every single person on our team buying into what we do, and really you know stepping outside their comfort zone and expanding their game um every day in practice we We work on things that can improve us individually to help us improve as a team, and I think there's a lot of teams in this league kind of jockeying for position, kind of getting that for feel, and um, it's going to be a fun, fun conference tournament for our league.
0: What do we make of this conference? Uh, Again, as we mentioned, Wisconsin Lutheran on top at eight and zero. Concordia Wisconsin's actually eight and one. Of course, that one loss being to you. You guys are sitting behind them at seven and one as conference play gets going. We always have a little bit of an offset set of games that people have played. What do we make of this conference? Um, You know, this is usually a conference that gets one team in the NCAA tournament and then doesn't really make any waves. Is this a conference that can change that tide, though, in a very tough central region?
8: And I think it's it's definitely trending that way. Obviously, you saw the men's team from Benedictine, Benedictine last year take that jump and getting to the national championship game. Wisconsin-Lutheran and Concordia-Wisconsin have won games in the NCAA yeah. tournament, and I think it's just taking that next step and getting, a, getting us some good matchups and, you know, Hopefully, shooting well that day.
0: You know how far this conference has come. You've basically been in it since the beginning. You played basketball uh, at Edgewood, uh, and then you play. It was an assistant coach through the system as well, and now you're the women's coach over at Benedictine. How far has this conference come overall since you have both the men and the women's point of view?
8: I think I think it's grown dramatically. Um, when it first started, um, like you said, it was a one bid league, and it was a you know blowout league. Um, for better lack of words, and it's a testament to the coaches, the the universities, the athletic directors, you know, investing in the programs, and you know the student athletes, you know, continue to work and continue to prove and continue to believe. Um, you got to really believe when you go into that any type of game that you can come out on top. And I think we're really doing that.
0: Let's talk about your team. Uh, something you pointed out to me before we got going: there isn't a single senior on this squad. Uh, usually, that's if a team is playing this well at this point. You look at that and go, oh, they're going to be good for a while. You also look at this, and you've got, you've got a fair share of juniors, but you also have a lot of players who are not juniors. Granted, next year's team is going to be very senior-laden. Mm-hmm. So what is the goal? Is the goal about success this season with a lack of senior squad or the goal really the success you could build in two, three, and four seasons away?
8: Uh, I, I think it's really just to get better every single day. Um, you never know when you're going to have any opportunity again. So you have to take advantage of every opportunity that is put in front of you. Um, obviously, we have four juniors playing um, this season really for us. And really only one of them got consistent minutes the, the previous two seasons. So it's coming into the season, they're, yes, they're juniors, but they're kind of going, you know, they haven't played consistently since their high school season. So watching them mature in the last three months has been has been awesome. And they've really bought into what we do. Um, last season, we had some kids who played and who are not with us anymore. And Um, So we had other kids, you know, see that opportunity to step into a new role and they've really flourished with it.
0: You talk about injuries and you can if you look at the the season box score, you can kind of see the testament of that. There's certainly a fair share of players who've played every single game, but then there's also players like Samantha McCarthy who've played nine games and started six, and she's your third leading scorer. Um, You see another player like uh, uh, Peyton Sims, uh, who's in the top six or seven in scoring nine games and three starts. So you can kind of see where, a little bit when you look at the season box score of how many players you've had to use and how many different starting lineups what's the what's the message to the team in that scenario because that can be both frustrating to a team because they don't feel any consistency but at the same time can be very beneficial because a lot of players are getting experience they may not normally get
8: and and i think that's how we we turn it it's it's the biggest positive it can possibly be because if you're practicing every day hard wanting and thinking that you should be in that starting spot well the opportunities have arisen for us this year and so you have to be ready for them and if you don't come to work every single day ready to take on that opportunity opportunities pass you by and you know just like we talk about college athletics preparing them for the real world that's the same thing when they when they get out of school you know they have to be ready to take everything head on and if you you get down on yourself and you're not ready to go well someone else is going to take that opportunity
0: Let's talk about the team. You're led by DeAza Williams, 13 games and 13 starts, 14.5 points a game, 7 rebounds a game, over an assist, almost assist and a half, uh, roughly a game, 14 blocks, which is more than a block a game as well, and shooting 38% from the floor and 83% from the free throw line. She leads the way, but you got three fl- players. And by the way, I should point out she's a sophomore, uh, you got two other players in double figures: uh, Vanetta Parsons and Samantha McCarthy. The aforementioned having been injured, McCarthy, uh, both of little more than eleven points a game. And and I'd be remiss if I didn't mention Elena Morrow, eight point six points a game, but ten point one rebounds a game. Um, and all of them shoot pretty decently. Uh, that's a pretty good stock core there of four before you get to the rest.
8: Yeah, and uh, you know, talking about Diaz, unfortunately, she suffered a. The, to- the always horrible torn ACL her senior mm. year um, of high school which um, obviously coming back last year was you saw glimpses and you know you stayed on her and you know this year she's really flourishing um, she does a little bit of everything has that inside outside ability um, can shoot the three can handle the basketball um, can play defense so you know she's really growing into that role and it's an exciting time to watch her grow and you know the the sky's really the limit with her um, Vanita Parsons has done a great, great job, kind of buying into what we do, and she's really our leader. Um, she really makes us go. She's had games where she's played 40 minutes for us, and you know when we take her off the floor, it's kind of as a coach, you kind of start shaking a little bit, like how are we going to get the ball into our offense? How are we going to going to score that way? But she's just an unbelievable player, um, and you know t- you talk about Elena Morrow, just does all the dirty work. You know every single rebound i have the the most confidence in the world that she's about to go grab that she doesn't stop hustling um i think the the only negative we could say about her she gets a little too down on herself sometimes um and we're working on that with her but it's just getting that confidence up to, to make plays and you know you talk about you know peyton sims Benita drain roxana gattis you know coming off the bench being able to score um that's a huge huge part when you have people that can score and you know, Casey Williams and Georgia Alex Akos are two of the better defenders in the conference. You know, when they stay down, they're so long and athletic. Um, we talk to them every single day. When you don't reach, you are hard to score on. And I think, you know, we kind of have that full team package. Um, we've had, you know, I think six or seven leading scorers this year. So it's uh, it's fun to watch. I
0: was going to say, what is – what is what. Don't we know about this team that, that we can't see in the box score in the streams? I, I can watch a game online and kind of get an idea of what a team is. Obviously, it's even better to see them in person if you can. I can look at a box score and can look at a game story and kind of get what's going on. Who are the contributors or what are the what's the mojo, as it were, of this team that I cannot get by doing those things?
8: First off, they're they're a fun group to be around. Um, they they keep you on your toes. They <laughs> they like to have a they like to have a good time, but they also understand the ramifications and know when it's time to be serious they know when it's time to focus um they we do have a lot of different people who can step up in different ways and i think the best part of a team is when other people are stepping up the excitement you see on everyone else's faces and that's really kind of know when you when you have a team when if they're not playing as well they don't get down but they're excited to see their teammate get down and that helps you know their spirits get up and we're, we're working on continuing to build that team culture and family culture every single day.
0: So when I also look at the box score, I see that you're scoring 71.6 points a game, and I see that you're only giving up 59.9, a shade under 60 points a game. So is that a testament to the opponents you're playing, or is that a testament of the defense you are playing?
8: We, when we want to defend, we do a great, great job defending. At times, we go through a couple lapses where we, we give up layups. We talk about, you know, we'll, we live with contested jump shots. We'll be okay with that. If teams are going to make contested jump shots against us and beat us, we'll shake their hand at the end. Um, but we don't want to give up the lane and give up free free baskets pretty much on layups. Um, yeah. Offensively, we want to get that game up in the, the high 60s, 70s. That's where we, we struggled a little bit yesterday. Um, you know, had an 8-point third quarter where we kind of came out very flat. But we want to get that game up into the 60s and 70s because we have, you know, the abundance of scorers who can do that for us.
0: Well, and that kind of gets me back to that North Central game. If you look at it beforehand, you were at Manchester on November 19th and you beat them 69-66. And you look after the North Central game on the 26th of November and you were home against a roaring conference play in one sixty to 48. Of course, that North Central game was 97-89, as you had to basically throw everything out the window and play a system game. How hard is it to prepare for a game like that, and how hard is it to get out of sync from that and get back to normal?
8: Well, it, it was a little bit tougher this year. Obviously, um, you know, scheduling that four-game, kind of seven days really to start this yeah. um, you know, was a, maybe a coaching here, but uh, uh, it's kind of, it was kind of nice this year, I think. We, we were at Manchester over the weekend. We really only had one day to prepare, so it's you don't they don't think about it then um it's just like let's, let's go out there and play basketball obviously the, the tougher part is coming out of it um that was right before thanksgiving obviously we give them off thanksgiving day they get to go and be with their families um, and then we come back and play an aurora team who runs their stuff so well um and slows the game down so you just played a track meet now you have to play a slowdown <laughs> game so I, I, I it made sense we talked to them at halftime we understand why we're struggling a little bit right here but uh <clears throat> you know it's a testament to them and you know, especially that first part of the season, not a lot not a lot of them knew. Um, it's, it was new to a lot of them that, so we'll be okay.
0: So you're pretty much halfway through the season, 11-2 yeah, and two overall, you know, 25-game schedule. Obviously, it's conference uh, run the rest of the way. What's the message to the team as you've hit the midway point of, you know, you're 11-2, and two, and you know, obviously we multiply out your 22-4, and four, which would be... Spectacular, but how do you keep them focused? What's the message to the team at this point in the season, and and what should we expect in the second half?
8: And it's just that every game matters, right? That you know the, the Wisconsin Lutheran game, you know, obviously everyone sees it on paper. You know, it's it's hard. You know, both teams undefeated. You're going to look at that game, but it's the matters the same in the standings as the game Wednesday against Concordia Chicago does, and it's just that next game. And we talk to them. You know, we, you'll always look back on the great first half you yeah, had, but now it's time to move forward um nothing that we did in that first half we really need to look back on it right now it needs to continue to be growing and just moving forward mantra
0: well it's certainly interesting to see how well you guys are off to like we said 11 and 2 overall certainly impressive 7 and 1 we should point out by the way we pre-taped this interview reluctantly on my part um, as you are, you have to apparently attend the Green Bay Packers playoff game as a Chicago Bears fan. I I can't believe I'm allowing this to happen. In other words, allowing you to come on my show pre-taped uh, versus uh, going to the Green Bay game. I, I will say enjoy the Green Bay game, but I'm I have no affinity whatsoever for how it how it turns out. I hope Green Bay loses.
8: Yeah, well, they're, they're about to take down the Giants and make that run to the Super Bowl. But oh. If you have Aaron Rodgers, you can do anything.
0: Yeah. What were you saying about halfway through the season?
8: Uh, we were ready to go. relaxed, right? Uh-huh, yeah. <laughs> it says relax, so we yeah. relax and we'll yeah.
0: deal. <laughs> It's amazing, Packers fans. I've, I've been surrounded by them for a long time in my life. I can't figure them out.
8: A little delusional sometimes, but we're, yeah. always, we're always about the green and gold.
0: Yeah. Well... I got that World Series, so I'll just I'll just sit on that.
8: That is true. Hundred years, it took a while.
0: Hey, you know what? It's it's like a good wine. Yeah, you get to enjoy it more when it's sure. <laughs> not really. It was frustrating. Let's be Same honest. For- you savor Yeah, right. Well, congratulations. Seriously, uh, eight-game winning, eight game winning streak, unfortunately, came to an end against Wisconsin Lutheran. But obviously, 11-2 and two is a tremendous start. You're uh, you're having a pretty darn good season uh, by these standards, and I certainly congratulate the team and congratulate you on that. As always, we give the coach the final word. Any final thoughts you'd like to share with those who may be tuning in?
8: I just want to thank everyone for all the support. Um, obviously, coming from Concordia University, Wisconsin, Coach Stacey Bernard-Jones does an amazing job up there. Wouldn't be where I am today without her and all of her support and teaching and you know it's like you talked about a little bit the men's team at benedictine has kind of showed us the way Um, i think it's great for our players to be able to see that last year um and you look at the success of other programs in the school you know softball um you know one game away from the college the softball world series baseball coach um coming to benedictine who has who has been there before been one win away from the college world series so it's it's an exciting time to be an eagle and you know, we're, uh, we're excited to be there and, you know, looking forward to the rest of the season.
0: Very good. Well, good luck, like I said, and we'll look forward to seeing how how it does turn out in the second half.
8: Thank
0: you. Go Eagles. <laughs> Go. At least you said Eagles. <laughs> Charlie Averkamp joined us from Benedictine. They will again uh, on Wednesday be home against Concordia, Chicago. Then they take on Concordia of Wisconsin on Saturday. Uh, home and then away. Obviously the whole second half of the season still yet to play. They're in pretty good shape, though, and the NACC will see how it goes the rest of the way. When we come back, we still have the Hoopsville mailbag. Don't forget, email us, hoopsville at d3hoops.com. Or, uh, and and plenty more on the show. I mean, for that matter, you know how long this show can go. We have plenty more ahead. You're watching Hoopsville, presented by D3Hoops.com. From the WBCA and Studios. More Hoopsville after this.
7: I used to never really talk. Ever. Uh, I was afraid if I said something wrong, everyone would laugh at me. But then I started to play golf with Special Olympics. It helped me to find my voice. And now everyone else is speechless. This is why we love sports. It's in the way they play, free from the pressures and all the money talk.
9: Playing for simply the love of the game where everyone has a shot at their definition of success on and off the field. This is what we love about sports and what we can still love about college sports.
2: We've got more schools than Division I, more fans than Division II, and more upsets than March Madness. There's 800 programs with over 11,000 games leading to two national championships and we've been covering it all for over a decade. From Eastern to Occidental, from Puget Sound to Piedmont, from Southwestern to the University of New England, and from Hope to Calvin. Nobody covers Division III basketball like we do. We're d3hoops.com at www.d3hoops.com.
6: We are calling you,
3: all of you. We are calling all Division III schools to join our cause.
4: It's on us. To start the change, it's on us to be the change. It's on us. It's on Division three
5: It's on all of us to stop sexual assault.
0: And welcome back to Hoopsville, everybody. Hope you're enjoying the show. We do want to apologize for our technical difficulties with the UW Stevens Point Athletics Director segment. We will get that segment to you at the end of the show. We're basically going to try a different version of our video and hope that one works versus the one that we tried, apparently, that didn't work. Uh, Got to love technology. Sometimes it works for you and sometimes it doesn't. But we will have that segment for you later. Again, talking to the Athletics Director Brad Duckworth about the uh, investigation in the men's basketball program. Um we will see where that takes us. Don't forget, the Hoopsville mailbag segment coming up later. Hoopsville at d3hoops.com is your email address. Hoopsville at d3hoops.com. Send us a question. If you happen to not be listening to this live or you're listening to us on the podcast or whatever the case may be, don't worry. Send your emails in anyway. We'll answer them on a future show. So we're going to jump out to the Atlantic and talk more women's basketball. Um, Alex Lang is their head coach, and they've actually had a number of 21 seasons. If You just may not have been paying attention. To the fact the Bulldogs actually have a pretty good team on their hands. They're 9-2 this season, 5-0 in what is a rather interesting cuniac this season. Their two losses are to Mary Washington, not too shabby. NYU, not shabby either. And those games were pretty close. One of them was at least, but we'll talk to the head coach about that. So joining us on the this time, he is joining us on the Skype hotline. Uh, as we don't have his logo up, but we'll get that solved in a second. But and actually had nothing right on that graphic, so we'll try it again. But joining us on the system, and we will talk to him here, uh, is the head coach of uh, Brooklyn, the women's basketball coach, and that is um, Alex Lang. Coach, welcome to Hoopsville. Uh, we'll get your we'll get your picture up here so we can at least see you, and then I'll fix all my technical difficulties. Good to see you. It's going well. Of course, that didn't work either, but, uh, curiosity, this is a team that, that obviously, uh, has, has been, has been playing well. You guys have had a a history of success. What's been the secret and what's going to help you guys break through to the next level?
6: Uh, great question. We, uh, you know, we, we play really hard. I think that's been our biggest, uh, our biggest motivating factor throughout the years that's kept our team, you know, up above, uh, you know, having, like you said, five straight 20 win seasons and, um, you know, this way we look like we're on our way to having another successful year. Uh, we play really hard defense. Uh, defense has been the name of the game for us. Uh, we really have prided ourselves on on holding other teams to, to tough shots and, and really uh, we mix things up with some zone, some man, and some pressure. But throughout the years, we've really tried to give a lot of effort on the defensive end And we play a fast-paced style of basketball as well, which, um, you know, can sometimes wear other teams down. And, and, you know, we put a lot of pressure in both our zone and our man. So we've really played, uh, I think, a tremendous amount of defense. And we, for our conference, we're one of the deeper, bigger teams. And we, you know, have really done a good job in terms of uh, using our depth to our advantage. And, um, you know, last few years we've led our conference in rebounding as well. So whenever you can rebound the basketball, that helps. So...
0: Yeah, rebounding certainly key defense as they say, certainly key as well. What, what's but what's the, what's the what's the challenge then? Because this is obviously we talk about 21 seasons. You had a, you're 22 and 8 in in 2012, 24 and 7 in the next year, 22 and 8, 22 and 7, 21 and 8 last year. But that's about the crux of what we hear from this team and and, yeah. it, and maybe it's a Qniac and maybe it's Sage that was certainly good the last couple of years and some other teams as well. What's been Keeping you guys from maybe taking that next step.
6: Yeah, well I'll just correct you for say it wasn't Sage. Sage is in the skyline. But, oh, that's uh, right.
0: I apologize. Sage, yeah.
6: No problem. Uh yeah, we I mean we've been right at the top of our league. Um, you know, we've had some nice wins non-league as well over the last few years. Uh we did knock off NYU a few years ago. We've beaten Stevens and some of the NJAC teams over the last few years. Uh, we've never quite gotten over the hump of winning our conference. We've lost four out of the last five seasons in the conference title game. Three of those times were to Baruch when they had their really good teams, and then last year we lost in overtime to Lehman in a really hard-fought game. Um, But I I think, you know, just answering your question, uh, you know, continuing to get over that threshold uh, will be, you know, basically – uh i think a matter of our disposition as a team and how we decide to mature throughout this year i think we have all the talent in the world this year and we really have a team that's um you know we have seven seniors on the team and and a very uh a very veteran crew and a very self-motivated crew and i think that we're going to have a great season uh whether you know we can go on and win the conference and be in the ncaa tournament is, is a matter of you know how we play in February. Uh, overall, as a, as a program, I think we've kept moving in the positive direction and uh, we've continued to improve every year. Uh, I really see our program continuing that trend. Uh, one of the things that's helped us has really just been our recruiting. Uh, when I first took over at Brooklyn, the team was actually 0-26 the, the year prior to me getting there. And our first few seasons, we went six years. This is my my 15th season. We went six years without getting to 500. And then the last eight seasons, we've been over 500 every year. Uh, you know, our recruiting has improved. And I think our style of play that I mentioned earlier really helped us sort of turn the corner in competing with some of the tougher non-conference teams. And, uh, you know, also Baruch, who was the top team in our conference for a number of years. Uh, so, you know, we 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 gotten a couple of wins over Baruch uh, during those seasons that they were kind of uh, winning our league every year. But we never could quite get them in the in the championship game we're actually beating them twice at halftime in the championship game of our conference but never really got over that hump so i think some of it's mental with our team i think uh you know everybody who's on our team even those who who don't have the history that i have as a coach know that we 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 kind of struggle to get over that hump and we're looking to do that uh in the future you know we we have won a couple of ecac titles which was nice for our program uh, it was the first two times in our, our program's history that we ever won the ECAC. Uh, you know, typically our conference doesn't get too into the NCAA tournament, Yeah. but we're hoping to, to, to possibly, uh, you know, get in this year, either by winning our conference or maybe, maybe as a second team this year. So,
0: I mean, last five and a half seasons, you guys are 120 and 40 overall. And you do mention Baruch. I, I want to bring up Baruch in a little bit. We'll come back to Baruch. Mm-hmm. In a bit, but you talked about your out of conference schedule, and you guys do play some good out of conference teams. And you know, you lost to NYU by 10, you lost to Mary Washington by a few more than that uh, by, t- by 22. Um, but you've played some other teams tight, and you are, I mean, NYU 59 49 is not a bad result in the grand scheme of things. How has that team helped you this? How's that, uh, those results, I should say, helped you this season?
6: Yeah, I definitely looking at it from the national perspective, and 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 you know NYU is a very good team. I'm sure you know most people would take your your perspective. I mean, we really felt like we could have won that game, and 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 you know we if we would have started the game a lot better, I think we would have had a much better chance down the stretch. But uh, yeah, I mean, definitely we like to play tough competition. Um, Mary Washington was another very good team. We obviously didn't play that well in that game. Um, It was our first game after our finals, which we take a long layoff layoff after. And typically we don't necessarily play our best basketball in that first game back. But it was a good chance for us to play a nationally ranked team down in Florida. And we had a great experience at that that Land of Magic tournament. So it it was a great experience for our team. And I think it's going to toughen us up when it comes down to league play. Um, You know, as you mentioned, you know. We played NYU very tough in that in that game, and I thought we played Mary Washington tough in the second half. We just we just kind of fell behind very very uh, very early by a lot. Didn't really uh, didn't really play our brand of basketball in the first quarter, and, uh, and 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 got too far in the hole. But uh, but yeah, we we try to play some really tough non-league competition every season, and uh, we had a nice win early in the season over Kane. And you know we, we're playing Skidmore in a couple of weeks. That'll be another nice challenge for us. I know they're playing well um, up at the top of their conference, so we're looking forward to it. And uh, you know right now we're undefeated in, in our conference, but our conference is pretty tough. We have some tough competition coming up with Staten Island and Baruch and uh, and Lehman and some of those teams. So we'll we'll, we'll be uh, we'll be up for some challenges.
0: Yeah, you guys are five and zero in the conference, which is a half game up on Staten Island, full game up on Hunter and Baruch, nine and two overall, which is one of the better records in the conference. Um, you do have York and New York coming up who is one and 12 one and four and then you'll take on Sta uh, actually yeah. F4 mentioned five and seven four and one. Right, what this conference by the way, some of this is looking at looks like a one bid league. obviously we're midway through Staten Island or Hunter could could change that equation, but it's just you3 with winning records at this point. What do you make of this conference, and, and do you feel the pressure that you've got to win almost every night to make sure you're in position to take advantage of being you know in the best position possible for the tournament because you've got to get in on the AQ? Does that make sense? Do you feel the pressure every night because you're eventually going to feel the pressure of the AQ at the end?
6: Uh, yeah, we, we, we definitely do feel that pressure, but but we put that pressure on ourselves as well. Our, our team is highly motivated to, to really have a great season this year. Last year, we lost in the championship game, like yeah. I said, in overtime, and yeah. uh, it was a tough loss. We had no seniors on the team last year, so the team really was highly motivated to be back this year, get another shot. Uh, you know, I, I wanted to just, you know, you pointed out that Lehman and, uh, excuse me, Hunter and Staten Island were the only two teams with winning records, but um, Lehman and Baruch play some pretty tough non-league schedules, and, and I think yeah. those teams are, are pretty, pretty talented as well, so I just wanted to point that out. Yeah listen Um, I think at the end of the day they they both will be over 500 toward the end of the season Um, you know Del Rosario from Lehman is a really tough player I know you guys have talked about her uh, on D3 Hoops Uh, she's uh, she's someone who's really hard to deal with so uh, from our perspective you know, we we definitely feel the pressure to win every night. And we'd like to, you know, keep rolling. We've won four in a row right now. And like you said, we're 5-0 and in the conference. So we're hoping, uh, you know, we're hoping we can continue to go um, and win some games. Uh, and, you know, as you mentioned, we've got York tomorrow and then we've got Baruch Wednesday. Um, you know, Baruch always plays us real tough. And, uh, you know, after that, we've got Staten Island, which will be a big showdown as, uh, you know, they're, they're uh, like you said, only a half a game behind us in the standings. So...
0: What jumps out at me is you average sixty-seven points a game and give up fifty. By the way, one of the rare box scores this deep in a season that that's an even number sixty-seven point zero zero points per game and 50.00 zero zero <laughs> defensively. Nice math there. Yeah. Um, but nobody's in double figures. Now you got a couple close, but nobody's in double figures. Uh, Olivia Colbert or Colbert um, nine point eight points a game. Alexandria Mugen uh, nine point eight points a game. Caitlin Richburg. 8.4, 7.9 each from Karen Mock and, and Taylor Gallagher. Yeah. Um, you have a nine, I mean, Colbert's <laughs> one away from a double-double. She's got 9.0 rebounds. Yeah. Um, is is that because the team is, I mean, I look at that and I think, okay, maybe this team's pretty unselfish. Yeah. Or I look at this and go, are they running a style of offense that everybody contribute? I mean, what do I look at when I see a box score and understand about your team here?
6: Yeah, I think it's a little bit of both. Uh, we, we play a style where we do share the ball very, very much. Uh, we don't run a lot of plays that are designed, uh, you know, just uh, to get one person the ball or, or to isolate one person. We, we, we really try to share the ball. I think our team is a little too unselfish at times. Uh, we, we've tried to get them out of that. Uh, some of our players in particular where, you know, they'll, they'll, they won't really be looking to score a lot of the time when they, they are in a position to score. So, you know, Olivia, like you pointed out, um, you know, Ali Mugan, you know, some of those players can be a little bit more uh, selfish with the ball. Uh, Karen Mack, uh, you know, but but uh, I think it also just talks about our depth, because two of the players that you you mentioned, uh, Alexandra Mugan and Kalen Richberg, who are second and third in our team in scoring, they both come off the bench for us. So, you know, four of our starters uh, aren't even in the top three in scoring. Yeah. Our- on our, on our team. So, you know, Olivia is the only one of our starting lineup that's in the top three in scoring. So we have a number of different ways to score and to beat people. Um, You know, we, we try to play, we try to play our 10, 11 people in our rotation anywhere from 20 to 25 minutes. So nobody's really playing, you know, 30, 35, 40 minutes a game. So, you know, just with, with that fact of the number of minutes they're playing, it's hard for people to score you know, a ton of points and especially due to the fact that we're sharing the ball. I think that some of those scoring averages may go up a little bit. Um, you know, we, we're getting a little more fluid with our offense and getting a little more chemistry in our offense. Now that we're into January, sometimes, uh, early in the season, it's a little tough to, you know, just chemistry wise, just, uh, in terms of running some offense and finding certain, uh, people. Uh, but I think that, you know, some of those scoring averages may go up. It's funny, like game to game, uh, you know, a couple of games ago, Allie and Olivia were both over 10 points. And, and uh, you know, the scoring averages are still pretty low for your leaders in terms of like 10.7 or 10.2. But now that we've had a couple of games where uh, there were a little bit of routes, we, we didn't play them as many minutes. And, and, you know, they didn't put up really a lot of points. And now they're at like 9.9 or whatever it is you mentioned. Yeah. So nobody averaging 10 points a game. It's pretty weird for a team that's 9-2. and two, but, uh, but I think it's a good sign for us. We have a lot of different people that can score.
0: As you mentioned, you go about 10 deep. 10 players have played 10 or 11 games. Uh, if you go down to 8 or 9 games, you're down to 13 deep. Uh, as far as double digits in terms of average minutes, that's 12 deep. Of course, this team is seven seniors on it. So not only are you, you willing to go deep onto your bench and get as many people into the game as possible, but you got seven players who understand this is it uh, yeah. in my career. Th- that's got to add an interesting dynamic to everything.
6: Yeah, it definitely does. Uh, You know, it's it's any coach will tell you it's nice having seniors because there's a little bit of sense of urgency. You know, you can motivate them at times, you know, by telling them, hey, this is, you know, this is your final chance. And this is really when you've got to get done. Uh, I think, you know, even though we all have that realization, sometimes your seniors miss the boat on it a little bit still. You know, they they, I think young people in general, they they always think they're going to have more cracks at doing something. (laughs) You know, it's it's. They don't quite get that this is, you know, the end of their college career. But at the same time, uh, we, we've got a really uh, mature, you know, responsible and and self-motivated team that I think is really uh, making the most out of their season so far. And, and really, I think, going to work hard down the stretch. You know, I really enjoy this time, too. For us, it's intercession right now. There's no classes going on you can see like a, a big weight's been lifted off of some of their shoulders in terms of not having to worry about classes and finals and all those sort of things. So they can just concentrate on basketball a little bit and and, and you know develop that chemistry that we
7: talked about.
0: Uh, obviously, York and New York coming up on Monday. You'll play Baruch later in the week. Then you'll hit the road, and you got a long stretch of games on the road. Staten Island, Hunter, Lehman, purchase and Medgar Evers granted on the road for you guys is not necessarily like on the road for a Mayak team or a Southern team. So it's relatively at home, but still you're going to have five in a row there without your home gym, without your home fans. How do you, how do you kind of get the team ready for that? Cause that, that can grind on people.
6: Yeah, yeah, it definitely can. And, and, uh, you know, our team, uh, for anyone who's been to our gym, we have a, a nice little, um, set up and, and I think a good home court advantage with our fans and our cheerleaders and, and and the environment we have in our gym. So sometimes when we go out on the road, it really takes a lot to motivate the team just because, you know, some of the other gyms we play, play in aren't quite as loud or aren't quite as, you know, uh, comforting to our team. And, and so, you know, you know, I, I think that, you know, our team will be motivated. But like you said, it, it's it's tough playing all of those consecutively. Uh, just the way the schedule worked out this year, we've got a lot of home games consecutively and a lot of road games consecutively, and we're back at home to close out the season with a lot of home games. So, you know, I think, uh, I think our team will be very motivated for those games because uh, a bunch of those conference games that you met mentioned uh, are some big ones for our season. Um, you know, uh, we beat Hunter the first time we played them, uh, but they're a good team this year. They're having a good season. Lehman, same thing. We beat them the first time we played them. However, We'll be going back to their gym. The Staten Island game, like you mentioned, that's a, a big showdown. Uh, a team we've matched up with over the last few years had a pretty good rivalry. So, um, you know, some of those games are going to be really, uh, really intense. And, and I think our team will be pretty motivated. So, it, 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 you know, it's definitely tough going out on the road, but, but we're having a great season. I think we'll keep it going.
0: Before I let you go, I want to talk about Baruch. Baruch, at this point, is the first of the three cases that have caught the Division Three attention in the uh, last six months or so. Obviously, Baruch's case came out over the summer, so it didn't get as much attention. Um, I can go into my opinion for the umpteenth time on it if we want, but that's not necessarily what I was asking you about. But you guys had to play this Baruch team who had a head coach who basically, along with a vice president, was finding ways to get players onto the team that shouldn't necessarily been, or at least got some advantages, or got to stay on the team through some advantages. They obviously worked that way, or used that to, to the to the tune of a couple conference championships and NCAA tournament berths. What's it like to be in the conference, having had to face that squad, probably with players who shouldn't have been there in the first place, um, and then to see what happened over the summer, and then on top of that to see what's happened to Thomas More and and what will happen possibly to Stevens Point.
6: Yeah, I, I've been following along and obviously the uh, Baruch incident was, you know, big news locally. And, and within our conference, everybody obviously knew what was going on. Um, yeah, it, it's disheartening from the conference point of view because, uh, you know, our the CUNY Act, you know, we, we have some good athletics going on here. You know, we don't have a lot of the funding that some of the bigger private school um, leagues and some of the private schools have. Uh, So we try to make the most of what we do have and, and, you know, I know at Brooklyn we work extremely hard and and we really try to do things the right way. And, you know, it's a little bit of a black eye for the conference and and obviously for women's basketball in general when something like that happens. Uh, You know, Baruch had some great teams those years and we faced them, you know, three times in the conference championship game and we lost all three times. So obviously it's a little frustrating when you hear that there was rules broken and that sort of thing. Um, but you know, as a coach, from a coach's perspective, you you know, you try to prepare your team. And from an opponent's perspective, you know, we were preparing for the team that we were ready to play. We you know, we're obviously not getting caught up in you know what was going on behind the scenes. Um, you yeah. know, it, it, it's 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 unfortunate that some of those things occurred, and it's unfortunate you know that that uh, that you know people look at that error now and will say like, what if and and yeah. you know all those things. Um, you know, it's it's uh you know it's definitely unfortunate that it's happened at some other schools especially you know Thomas More won the national championship uh you know that's that's definitely unfortunate that they have to deal with a situation like that and that the the rest of the country has to deal with a situation where you know they, the the championship is now compromised to some degree um you know it's a uh, it's from from the CUNYAC's perspective and and from Brooklyn College you know um i think that it seems as though whatever went on in the past, it looks like Baruch is trying their best to clean things up. And, and you know, so we're looking forward to moving forward and, and competing against, you know, them and the other schools in our league, obviously. Um, you know, it, it's, it's you know, I, I'm sure uh, the student athletes that are involved have a little bit of a different perspective from a coach and an administrator. You know, I, I, I think it's 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 obviously unfortunate that it happened, but uh. But you know, at this point, you have to move on and 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 move forward.
0: So, uh, quickly, in your opinion, should any of those players been considered ineligible, and thus should they have vacated those those conference championships? I know it doesn't give you the crown. Yeah, it doesn't yeah. give you the opportunity to have gone to the NCAA tournament. But do you feel that maybe they they had an advantage that just was a little too too much?
6: Yeah. Um, you know, it's 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 difficult for me to comment. Uh, you know, I think that obviously we've seen instances in the past with similar situations where teams were forced to vacate conference championships. So, so I I see where you're going with it and I see the similarities and, 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 and I believe Baruch had a separate incident where they did have to, um, you know, forfeit a conference championship and, and vacate wins. Uh, but you know, it's, it's, it's not for me to say, obviously. And, and, uh, you know, I, without knowing all the details and, and, you know, the NCAA made a decision and, and obviously You know there were some punishments that were handed down and you know they can't compete in the conference championship this year which is a pretty big punishment so you know i think uh at this point you know you you just have to you know uh, understand what happened and and you know uh you know for us as college basketball coaches and administrators try not to let things like that happen in the future because it tarnishes all the hard work that we put in and you know what this is really supposed to be about which isn't isn't about, you know, punishing people and that sort of thing. It's really supposed to be about letting people, you know, uh, go to school and and get a degree and also shine on on the court.
0: You yeah. Know? Well, I appreciate your perspective. At first chance we had a Quniec team on to to discuss it, so I appreciate getting your point of okay. view, especially considering you played them as you said three times in the conference championship game. You got to know that team just a little bit.
6: Yeah, we know them pretty well. Yeah. <laughs> right.
0: Well, coach, appreciate you taking the time to join us. Uh, as always, we give the coach the final word. Okay. Any final thoughts you want to share with those who may be tuning in?
6: Uh, you know, hey, I, I look forward to uh, meeting some of you some of you coaches down the road, and and hopefully we'll be in the tournament this year and uh, we'll get a chance to uh, play some high-level basketball. We're looking forward to it.
0: Well, we're looking forward to seeing how the team does the rest of the way too, Coach. Good luck. Great, thank you. Alex Lang joining us from the uh, Skype line, thanks to the city of Salem. Uh, again, they uh, play Monday against York of New York, then they'll take on Baruch. Those are two home games before a game of stretch of five on the road. Then they'll finish the season five of seven at home, so they'll try and take advantage of the road and home schedule the rest of the way. Nine and two overall, 5-0 in conference play. When we come back, we'll go to the WBCA center court. Christy Thomas-Cuddy from Emory will join us. You'll listen to Hoopsville, presented by d3hoops.com from the WBCA and ABC Studios. More Hoopsville right after this.
7: It starts right when you hit the court. You imagine your finest moment. The game-winning shot that gets you to the dance, a monster dunk or no-look pass, and cutting down the net. Sports us dream of our own success and prepare us for our finest moments on and off the court.
4: I'm a current Division Three student athlete and I remember how intimidating the first year of college can be.
0: So if you're a first year student athlete and nervous about coming out as LGBTQ, I pledge to stand by your side as your ally.
9: If you can play, you can play Division Three.
7: We are Division Three student athletes, and you can be too. If you can play, you can play in Division Three.
2: I did receive a non-athletic scholarship upon entering uh, school.
6: I got the Presidential Scholarship, which was huge for me.
4: I think there's more opportunities for academic scholarships in Division III.
2: I didn't receive academic scholarships. Just being involved on campus, being a leader, all those things combined kind of get me recognized. It's a great experience for me.
9: We hope you enjoy the show. Now back to Dave with the WBCA
4: Center Court.
0: And welcome back to Hoopsville, everybody. Hope you're enjoying the show on this Sunday evening. If you've got questions for us, email us, hoopsville at d3hoops.com. We'll include those questions, if we can, in our mailbag segment coming up here shortly. Also, don't forget, you can tweet us at d3hoopsville or hashtag Hoopsville. Uh, uh, Join us on Facebook, I should say, facebook.com slash hoopsville, where, of course, we are streaming the show live tonight. And you can also join us on Instagram at D3 Hoopsville there, though we don't tend to follow the show as much on that locale. You can certainly use that to stay in touch, find out who guests uh, are, and when we hit the road and travel, find out where we're headed. You can do that through Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook. Of course, email is, as always, as we mentioned at the beginning, hoopsville at D3hoops.com. Of course, we always say that Hoopsville presented by d3hoops.com from the WBCA and ABC studios. You may notice I'm wearing my WBCA polo today. Well, that's because for the first time this season, we are breaking out the WBCA center court a segment we brought to you first last year. We'll be bringing the NABC coaches corner coming up on Thursday for the first time this season as well. WBCA and NABC have been great partners with us at WBCA for the last two seasons. And uh, as a result, it gives us an opportunity to talk to coaches, not only for what they're doing with their team, certainly, but also what they do off the court or way, ways that they give back, especially to an organization like the Women's Basketball Coaches Association. One person in particular who uh, gives back the WBCA and has certainly been um, an integral part of the WBCA and and really center court as well, and of course our segments here on the show, would be Christy, Christy thomas Gutty, the head coach for Emory, and she joins us on the City of Salem Hotline. Coach, welcome to
9: Hoopsville. Thank you so much for having me.
0: Thanks for being the inaugural guest of the WBCA Center Court for this season. We'll break it in with you, as it were. Um, First and foremost, we should say we are pre-taping this segment, as you have had the uh, unfortunate, maybe fortunate, opportunity of being (laughs) stranded in an airport, thanks to the weather, up and down the East Coast.
9: Without a doubt. Played at Rochester yesterday. Um, Got on a bus to travel over to Buffalo on what we thought was a flight home through Charlotte. And waited six hours before they told us with maintenance issues we couldn't fly out. So we have been in a lovely hotel across from the airport for the last uh, eight hours.
0: Yeah, nothing like nothing uh, says uh, mid-season basketball, like spending the, uh, a full day in, in the Buffalo area and doing nothing. Um, you got to love it. And, of course, you live in an area that can get, get kind of crazy with weather, and Charlotte's not that much different. So this is kind of par with the course sometimes for you guys.
9: You know, we've been really blessed, because usually we fly Delta direct. And so we don't, this isn't the first time in, in my tenure at Emory that we've had a delay like this. And, you know, we just, I kept saying last night for our kids, we're just really blessed. One, that we're not sleeping in an airport, and two, we're not missing class. And that within the UAA, it was just a single game weekend for us as well. So we're not missing anything big picture. Uh, but I think we're all craving comforts of home right now. Yeah, I
0: can imagine that. Yeah, you're right. It is only a single game. It's not like you're hop-skipping around. Uh, through Chicago and St. Louis, or New York and 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 uh, Boston or Cleveland and Pittsburgh. So certainly, this is a little bit of an advantage. If it was any ever a time to have it happen, it's this one. But you guys have to be ready for anything in UAA travel. You really do. As we mentioned, the cities that you may have to go to, you have to be prepared for the you know one of these scenarios to crop up its head in January and February.
9: Yeah, like I said, this is the first time in my tenure and I think we're going fourteen years in memory, that I've ever had a delay like this. That's amazing. And we've been really bl- yeah, we've been really blessed. I mean I think the good news is for us a lot of times it's just getting out of Atlanta because we're not equipped with to, to deal with the bad weather. You know, up here in you know, whether we're in Rochester or Buffalo, I know it could be a you know, a blizzard out, and we're still gonna get out because they're used to it. Yeah. Uh, so you know, again it's it's a great lesson for our young our young people because you learn very quickly you can only control what you can control. And weather and flight delays are not one of them.
0: Obviously, you had to get things underway at Rochester to start it, which means Rochester will be coming to you. But, of course, you have WashU and Chicago next weekend. <laughs> so, if anything, you are going through the gauntlet of the, uh, of the UAA schedule to start the season. You know, a WashU team that was ranked number 5 but lost to Chicago yesterday and a Rochester team ranked 22 who you lost to. This is a heck of a way to start UAA season.
9: It's never fun. <laughs> it's a start it's plain and simple, you know, everyone's like Happy New Year and I think for every coach in the UAA you you kinda say yes but you know what's coming. Yeah. Uh, and you know, obviously starting on the road at Rochester, a really good, well coached team uh, with an all American and Alex Leslie. Um, you know, it, it's ready or not, so to speak. And I thought we battled but I thought, you know, Alex Leslie made some incredible plays down the stretch and did what an all American like she is did for her team and you know, unfortunately they came out with a win.
0: Uh, obviously, you'll be home against WashU and Chicago, then back on the road up in Cleveland and Pittsburgh, and then back home against Brandeis and NYU, <laughs> then uh, on the road to New York and Boston. It's an interesting UAA schedule every year. How do you guys prepare for this? I mean, because you do you do anything during the regular season to kind of gear up, especially for the underclassmen who maybe haven't gone through this, or is it more a baptism by fire?
9: I, I think it's really baptism by fire because no matter how much you travel, how much you play a tough schedule or who you play, there's just nothing like it. You know, every game, you know, what you've been able to get away with is taken away, and I think that's really hard for young players to adjust. You know, I think it's hard for every young player as well to start balancing the true demands of their academics with the travel and intensity of play. And so, you know, I think it's always – I think the most gifted teams in our league are always probably the more veteran-led teams um, and who have freshmen that – you know, either hit the wall a little bit early and recover quickly or, you know, they're blessed and it doesn't really hurt, you know, affect them as much as it might some other young players. Um, But I think that's what makes this league so exciting.
0: Obviously, the UAA is is deep, especially on top. As we mentioned, Chicago and Wash U and and Rochester, all ranked or nearly ranked. Chicago certainly will get some attention after their win yesterday. Uh, You guys have been in the conversation, as you and I have talked about in the past, quite often as bit but you can't overlook i haven't even mentioned nyu by the way who's been ranked uh, uh you know who's also very good so this makes it already five deep and we haven't gotten to brandeis case western and carnegie mellon who's having a tremendous season uh building off a tremendous season last year there's just no rest for the wicked
9: no, and then, you know, you look at, you talk about Carnegie Mellon well, they their All American Post player and Lisa Murphy, and they were beat yesterday yeah. by Case Western, who's, you know, I mean, they've had, they're getting kids who are averaging 30 points a night. Uh, and so, you know, Jim Schiebel, the head coach of Rochester, and I were talking about last night. You know, I don't, we've always talked about how anyone can beat anyone on a given night, but I think we really believe this year, like, we really don't know who could win this league. I think it is that wide open, and I think the error of margin uh, between every team is just so slight this year.
0: The Chicago's record overall is eight and four. That's the worst overall record in the in, in the, <laughs> the UAA. Eight and four for them. There was, and that was
9: a crazy schedule she had as well. Yes,
0: yeah, she did. She she did not really Talk tough. about no rest for the wicked. Um, nine and three for three teams. NYU is nine and two. Ten and one for Washu. Ten and two for Rochester. Eleven and one for Carnegie Mellon. Obviously, multiple bids could come out of this conference, but at the same time, there is going to be some really tough, really good teams that may be left kind of sitting out side when it comes to March?
9: Oh, Without a doubt. I mean, I think that's the good news, bad news about our league every year. Um, unfortunately, I think we go into it we beat one another up. I, I think the good news or the silver lining in that is that I think the teams that advance are so tournament-ready uh, to compete and to excel. And, you know, I think the t- a testament to Washington and Rochester is just the continuity that they bring year in and year out and how they're able to achieve at such a high level and advance well into the tournament.
0: You have a three-senior squad, a lot of freshmen, a lot of sophomores, <laughs> no juniors. So this is an interesting dichotomy here. You've got an, an, a three upperclassmen who are basically teaching the ropes to everybody else um, on, on how you get through all of this. Of course, you're led, though, by a sophomore in uh, Ashley right. Oldshoe with 16.5 points a game, 7.8 rebounds a game. Uh, Shelly, is it kind of what? Canute. Canute, Ah, very nice. You just forget the eye. Canute, thirteen point one points a game and two point seven, and Canute is that senior. So you know what is the balance for your team with those three seniors and then pretty much all underclassmen?
9: You know, I think our seniors done a great job just trying to lead by example. I think they've taken lessons that they've learned throughout their you know three previous years and have really tried to use that, use those to teach our young freshmen. I think at the same time, We've also really believed that the naivety of our freshmen's bliss, and we haven't wanted them to get overwhelmed. You know, I thought one of the issues during game yesterday is our freshmen wanted it so badly, and we just came out like gangbusters, and then you just felt like they couldn't catch their second wind. Uh, and so, again, another lesson that we learned yesterday, and I think that's one thing that as we go through this, our seniors, our staff, like we sense a new lesson that we learn every day with our young people, and it's just, you know, apply it and let's move forward. Apply it and let's move forward.
0: Of your 13 players on the listed roster, 11 are from different states. You have 11 different states represented. So not only do you have you know a dichotomy that comes in general, but a lot of schools you know may have a lot of commonality, maybe a lot of states, so players may know each other or have played with each other or against each other. You literally bring people from all over the country in who have never played with one another. What's it like to get that chemistry going?
9: You know, I, I think we're blessed in that we're such a national institution uh, that Emory is as well as an international institution for that matter. Uh, and, you know, I, I think our kids love it, honestly. I think they love the fact that, you know, their best friend on the team is from the other side of the country. Yeah. Um, but, you know, I think Division three and just the way the makeup of our rules, that we have that time. They have that time in the preseason to really start bonding and gelling Um, But there's nothing like just getting on the court together. And, you know, in this day and age, they're all playing AAU, and those teams switch up every year. And, you know, unfortunately for some of them, even if they they do cross states and whatnot. So, you know, I I don't know that we've ever made a lot of it. I think it's just it's what Emory is, um, very national in scope. And so it's just what we do. Um, But I know that I love the fact that I represent a national institution, and I think our kids like that too, that, you know, it's not just a regional base. Don't get me wrong. I'd love to have more Georgia kids on my roster. (laughs) But at the same time, you know, it's nice when we're traveling throughout the UAA because it's usually someone's hometown that we're going to.
0: Yeah, that's certainly an advantage. And obviously, a much wider scope for the UAA. I'm curious, though, you know, we, we've talked over the years. Your team seems, your program seems to have kind of gone through the roller coasters, as it were. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, obviously, we're not that far away from 2013 when you finished 24 and 4. You were bracketed on either side by 16 and 18 game winning streaks. The last two years hovered right at 500, at 13 and 12, and 12 and 13. This year, you're 9-3. and three. What, what direction are you hoping to establish, especially with so many underclassmen?
9: You know, I, I think with this group especially, what we talked about is just the next possession. Um, you know, I, I think in our losses, our youth has crept up. And we're, we've got to live and die with that because we do have so many young players that we're playing and playing significant minutes. Um, and so, you know, I've never wanted to focus on even the 24-4 and year. Never, we never focused on winning. It was, you know, are we reaching our potential? Are we playing that next possession? And so, you know, I'm very optimistic about this crew. I like how we're developing. You know, even when I sit back and I look at our practice on December 26th and I look at where we are today, I've seen the improvement in our players. And as long as we're doing that, I know that – this season's going
0: to be pretty special for us. Um, the season includes a loss to Maryville, 85-68, a loss to Piedmont, 70-67, and obviously Rochester's loss. What do you take from those losses or wins over Johns Hopkins or wins over uh, Swanee or, or Mary Baldwin? I'm basically trying to uh, find mixes of, <laughs> of teams in that group. What do you take from those losses and wins, and what can you use looking forward as you stare down WashU and Chicago ahead next weekend?
9: I mean, I think the one thing that I really like about our non-conference schedule is that we played a lot of different styles. Yeah, you did. And it, it, even as we uh, – well, I should say we had to defend a lot of different styles. And, and so even when we went into Rochester, it was really somewhat easier because I was like, this is just the way Piedmont – this is like what Piedmont did. Obviously a much better low post player than yeah. and Alex Leslie. But they're going to run the same kind of four-out motion offense. You know, again, Wash is a beast because, I, you know, in all my years, even from Division One. No one's been able to run just that continuity offense the way WASH does. Um, And so I I would be lying to you if I said we've had an opponent that's prepared us for WASH. Um, But I think the one thing we take, like I even like the way my team responded after the Piedmont lost to Rhodes, is they finally started realizing we've got to play better defense. We, We have to, all five players, play together because we didn't value the possessions. And so, you know, whether it's been a win or a loss, we've been able to take different things from each game. And, you know, to be completely honest, I don't know that we'll really know how well we applied that lesson until we get into live action this weekend, especially against two really quality opponents.
0: I was going to ask you, 78 points a game, uh, you're scoring 55 points a game, you're defending or allowing. Of course, some of that 55 points is a little bit deceiving when you're playing training at D.C. or you're playing Mary Baldwin or Huntington, who's, who certainly right. struggle. So is this a defensive team? Is this a team that, that is... is Priding itself or focusing itself on defense, or are you trying to be a, more of an offensive team that just happens to have had a few low scoring affairs?
9: You know, it's a, it's a great question because it's <laughs> one of the questions I've asked my team like, what's our identity? You know, when someone shows up, and you know, we want to be that defensive minded team, but I think honestly, right now, we're a much more of a transition team. We're trying to get it out, we're trying to cr- increase our offensive possessions. You know, the, the great thing about Ashley Ulch, and this is an amazing thing for a 6 2 close player, she's getting a lot of her touches are coming out of transition. She's just sprinting the floor that hard. Um, she's special in that way. And so, you know, we know that as long as we can make a team have to defend this ninety-four we've got a great shot every night.
0: Talking to uh, Christy Thomas-Cuddy, the head coach for uh, Emory women's basketball team. Uh, the team is uh, off to a 9-3 and start. And, by the way, I've just noticed through all our graphics, and we will fix them as they loop back through. That we apparently spelled Thomas Cuddy with a C and not with a K, and I will fix that immediately as we're talking with head coach. Coach, uh, this is part of the WBCA segment, um, as we mentioned at the beginning, and so thus it raises the stuff I want to talk about what you're doing off the court. You've been a, a major uh, member of the WBCA for a, a number of years. Um, what is it so important to you? And, and we can talk about a, a little bit about um, um, what you do in a minute, but what, why has it been so important to you to give back to WBCA or be a part of the Women's Basketball Coaches Association to the, to the extent that you have
9: been? I, I know I was very blessed to work uh, for a, a young lady by the name of Jill Hutchison when I first got into the coaching profession, um, who I think is three-time WBCA president. And so, from, you know, my first year, my second year of, as a head coach, sorry, my second year as assistant coach at Illinois State, you know, that's all Jill did was give back and put the game of basketball before our own program because she believed in what this game would do for young people. And so that has always been ingrained in me since I was a young coach. And as I got older, I, you know, fortunately, I've been able to give back. You know, this is such a great game. I know what it has done for me as a woman. And I just want to make sure that this game continues to grow and that this game continues to get the exposure it deserves, and that our young women get the exposure that they deserve. And, you know, I think organizations like the WBCA do such a great job of making sure that this game is about our young people, and that's what I truly love about it.
0: Uh, you're part of kind of the I call it the three-headed monster of Division Three, and I mean that in a very joking way. You've got three very different people: and Mary Beth Spurk from Moravian, and and uh, Pat Williams from Williams. Uh, interesting enough, and yourself, obviously out of memory, They're kind of the, the core trio, but there's obviously a lot who give outside of that. You're on the executive committee. You're you're technically your title is uh, uh, Division Three, uh, uh, sorry, Division Three uh, Legislative Chair, which Opens up a hornet's nest of questions, but we'll try and keep them short. What exactly, though, are you responsible for, or are you leading in that role?
9: Well, I think there's the legislative position, I'm just kind of that voice for our Division Three coaches with the WBCA, but also with the NCAA, because um, there's a lot of communication that goes both ways, and, you know, usually when... Proposals are going forward. We're going to have those discussions amongst our conference captains, which is a representative of each conference in the country from Division III. And we t- I take that feedback and I give it to, you know, our uh, executive director and Danielle Donahue, who communicates with the NCAA. And we usually make sure that dialogue, that coaches' voices are being heard. Um, you know, through the executive committee, we restructured our board a couple years ago just to have... Fewer numbers, honestly, um, and it was a big push by Mary Beth and Pat and myself because we wanted to make sure that Division Three was having a greater voice and not being lost with so many coaches on the board. And um, you know, I'm very blessed that they asked me to serve on the executive committee, um, and so I'm the only non-division one representative on that executive committee. And so I feel like I need to have a voice for Division Two, Division Three high school, and you know, all the other groups um, to make sure that you know we're being heard, and more than that, that our young our young players are being represented in the way that they deserve.
0: Uh, you, the interesting point there is making sure Division 3 has got a voice, and I've always sensed over the years that, that it was kind of almost forgotten about at the WBCA. But in the last few years, that has changed dramatically. And Daniel Donahue obviously coming in is one of the reasons I've heard that. But it also seems like you as a group at Division Three, have said, enough, we do want to be heard. And you've, you've made a point of doing that. How much has changed in the last couple of years?
9: I think, without a doubt, a lot. Um, you know, just being on the Legislative Committee, you know, I'm in these meetings with Muffet McGraw, and it's really humbling when Muffet said, well, Christy, how would this rule proposal affect Division three? And, and that right there, I think, is the biggest difference that I see in recent years, because I think before it was very much individual, I and mean, it was Division One driven, yeah. and it was just kind of the afterthought. And, and I don't believe that way anymore, and I don't want to speak for Division Two, but I know that Mary Beth and Pat and I have all, be- all believe that, you know, Division One's just not going to force something through because it's best for them if it's not good for Division Three, all you know at all. And so that's where I feel really strong about what we've been able to accomplish in the last couple of years. And without a doubt, Danielle and her staff have been phenomenal in making sure that every division has a voice and that we are looking, first and foremost, to grow the game and make sure that we're putting the best product of basketball on the court at all times and that we're representing our coaches and giving them what they need.
0: So what are the biggest challenges ahead for either the WBCA or the Division Three side or coaches in Division III when it comes to the future?
9: Uh, I mean, I, I think it's, it's w- without a doubt, you know, we're losing viewership. We need to pack the stands, you know, whether it's a championship, whether it is a game on TV. You know, we don't want to see a women's game, and there's only 100 people on the stands. And so that's why a lot of attention right now is – How are we going about doing things? When are we going to have the tournament? I I think one of the greatest things for Division Three was the joint championship a year ago in Indianapolis, where you know again our athletes got center stage and played before a full you know major you know a a packed major arena, and what an amazing opportunity for them. And so you know it's one of those things that we keep talking about now. How do we how do we do that again? How do we make sure that that's the product that everyone is seeing? not just, you know, a smaller community is seeing. And so, you know, at the same time, I think we've got to continue to develop young coaches. Um, we're getting to that point now where everybody wants to coach. We've got a lot of young coaches in the profession. But what are we coaching? You know, this game has evolved so much more than it's not X's and O's as the primary piece to be a great coach. It's so much more about the student-athlete welfare and what are we doing. And so I think the WBCA is definitely, you know, trying to be in front of all that. Well, it's the coach-to-coach coach mentoring program um, in which I think we have over 400 participants right now. But we're trying to make sure that we're not just bringing coaches in the profession. We want to maintain and grow those coaches.
0: Um, wrapping things up here with Christy Thomas-Cuddy, head coach for the Emory Women's Basketball Team, member of the WBCA Executive Committee, as we mentioned, uh, and doing a lot of work, obviously, with that. One quick question about that, Coach, as I've heard quite a few people kind of say it on record, and some just have conversations with me off, is that, You know, having a a championship like Salem for the men, meaning a a site that we know is our destination, that's a little bit more consistent than every year or two years, would be kind of something that maybe women's basketball needs, wants, likes. Um, Is that the case from your point of view? Is this something that maybe women's basketball would like to find? somebody doesn't have to be Salem, just somebody out there who can be more of a destination and more of a central home for the division three championships
9: yeah i can say there's definitely conversations about that right now you know personal opinion is you know as someone who follows softball college world series i think it's the greatest thing when you can get a community behind the event just like salem and so what i love to see that without a doubt um to where again i think it's great for young basketball players groups of young women young girls who grow up going to this national event so that they love the game, they love the sport as much as the rest of us do. Um,
0: and furthermore, I know the uh, All Star, or the, I should say, the Constellation games were moved. Any, mm-hmm. Is there a strong move to try and make an All Star game out of it?
9: There is. I mean, I think where we're struggling is the men obviously have the recent sponsorship, and that's what we need to find. We need to find someone who wants to sponsor that. But that, I mean, as, as long as I've been a head coach, I know that that's one thing Division Three coaches have wanted. We wanted that All Star game just like our men have.
0: Uh appreciate you taking the time. Before we let you go, as part of the center court, we do ask a few questions. So they're always the same to every coach, so we can always have fun comparing. If anyone <laughs> dares, goes and f- listens to every single one of these and compares. So if you don't mind, can we have a little fun with you?
9: Uh, go yeah, ahead.
0: These are, ra- these are rapid fire. You don't have to overthink them. Uh, just come up with whatever you think is a good a good answer to it. So the first one would be, um, obviously, you're a division former Division One player, and we should have mentioned if anyone noticed on the graphic below, you're still fifth all time in in three point field goals in the NCAA. You had a pretty good career at Tulane, Coach. Um, what's your favorite thing about coaching, though, especially at Division Three?
9: I love the student athletes. Uh, you know, these young ladies keep you on your toes every day. Uh, you know, we're in a hotel right now, stranded in the middle of a snowstorm. And it's constant questions it's constant <laughs> about the next thing, <laughs> and so you know they're brilliant young women, and you know they're going to be future leaders of our country and that's inspiring each and every day
0: uh, and this might come out of the airport from this conversation, but what's your biggest <laughs> pe- what's your biggest pet peeve
9: is that i don't think the Division three athletes get the respect that they deserve. you know these young women are going above and beyond and the the intensity and the level of play, I think people just think it's you know, it's they pretty much varsity high school and without a doubt, you know, I, I challenge people to come and watch Division Three basketball and I think they'll be truly amazed at the high level of play and just the class and the way that our young people are playing this game.
0: Uh it's a great answer. I love that one. What's your favorite rule or nuance of the game?
9: I love the under one minute advance the ball rule. Really? I think it is done I really do. Here's why. Oh. I've always been a big believer because of women and overall strength. You know, a second or two seconds left going to go in a ball game, it's pretty much a Hail Mary opportunity. And I think as a coach, it's it's had to make coaches be better. I think you see where you have to be prepared. I think it's added a new element of how do you manage timeouts throughout the game. I, I just think it's made it more exciting. Now, I will say as a fan, it has made the games much longer. <laughs> so I, I can answer that at both sides of my mouth. So I know a lot of fans don't like it. And when I watch a game, I don't really like it, but as a coach, I love the strategy that goes into that.
0: You and I will have to have a conversation about that sometime, because actually, I think the new rules have allowed the game to be quicker, and I'm, I'm very much a fan of that, and I think mm-hmm. it works, and I think the men will take advantage of it, but you and I will talk about the reasons <laughs> I don't like the 28-foot rule, but we don't have time. Um, per that, though, is there a rule you would want added, removed, or changed?
9: I, and this is the competitor in me, I don't like the two-shot foul at five fouls. Really? I would love to be able huh. yeah, I just... You know, to me, I think it's – and this comes back to the game and us improving. Why are free throw? you know, I don't want to reward a bad free throw shooter. And I would – you know, years ago when we dropped – oh, when we went to the two-shot foul, the premise behind it was to minimize fouls. Well, it's never going to minimize fouls. The team has to foul because they're behind. They're going to foul. And so I just think it's – you know, in some ways it's, it's helped poor free throw shooters. And, you know, again, as a former shooter, as a former – as a coach now – I do believe players should be able to make free throws and layups.
0: That's interesting. I, I will say I like it being broken up into quarters. It allows the mm-hmm. allows us to stop making trips to the free throw line for the entire game. But uh, I see Agreed. that's an interesting point. Um, any pregame ritual or superstition?
9: Um, I, I I pray every day. I mean, I pray during the national anthem every day. I've ever since I was in junior high.
0: Very nice. That's a, that's a long-term one. Um, now, this one may be already answered by the how we started our conversation, but what's the craziest travel experience?
9: <laughs> <laughs> uh, let's see, January 7th yeah, through, t- I'm praying the 8th of uh, 2017, yeah. from Rochester to Buffalo at this point. Yeah. We're really hoping, and fingers crossed, that it ends in Atlanta tonight.
0: That was pretty easy. Uh, how would your assistants describe you as a coach?
9: Uh, you know that's going to be really hard for me to answer because i've got two former players as assistants, as assistants right now um,
0: <laughs> Well, if I were to ask them though, what would they say? <laughs> uh,
9: I really hope that they would they do believe that the mentoring piece I take very seriously with them, and that I want to develop them and the head coaches. But I also think that they would make fun of me to no end if you asked them <laughs> that question. So they have made me tougher because all they do is mock me. So.
0: Wow. Interesting. All right. They're still employed. That's fascinating. <laughs> um, what do you tell a recruit that gets them excited or, or gets them to commit to you?
9: You know, I, I honestly, I tell them, you know, I represent one of the greatest institutions in the country, and I'm not into a sell job. I'm in a buy job. Are you worthy of my players, are you worthy of our program? Are you worthy of this institution? And, you know, I believe in, I believe that every coach has their own plus and minuses of where they're at. But I truly believe in what what I represent in my institution. And, you know, I feel like I'm very blessed to coach the young women that I do.
0: And when you retire, what do you hope people will remember you as a coach?
9: Wow. Um, I hope that, you know, that I, coach with a class act and i had classy players and that we did it the right way but that we played our bus off
0: well done the segment went a little long but it was so fun chatting with you coach thank you so much i know we've now killed some time of your on your weight for the airplane <laughs> so maybe it was good for you um i appreciate you taking the time thank you for joining us for the inaugural wbca coach center court for this season as always we give the coach the final word any final thoughts you want to share with those who may be tuning in
9: that I just—I appreciate all that you do to promote our young men and women through um, hoops, through Hoopsville, and D3 Hoops. And you know, I think we're in for another great season of basketball. So, thank you so much.
0: Absolutely, I agree with you. Thank you, Coach. Uh, safe travels home. We'll talk to you soon. <laughs> Thanks so much. All right. Christy Thomas-Cuddy joining us from Emory. Again, the Eagles, a tough loss to Rochester yesterday, but they're 9-3 overall. It's going to be a fascinating UAA season to watch. Uh, I want to thank the WBCA as well and once again for the segment. Also, those videos you saw at the beginning, the video they introduced the segment, they uh, efforted those. We really appreciate that. That's a great little new twist to the show. At the same time, a promo on the Hoopsville Marathon show, which will coming up in a couple of weeks. We'll hear from the, the executive of the WBCA, Danielle Donahue, will join us here. On the show. We're going to be back when we come back. We'll talk more basketball, obviously, on Hoopsville. You're listening to Hoopsville, presented by D3Hoops.com for the WBCA and ABC studios. More Hoopsville after this.
3: My name is Marcus Walker. I was all state, won a state championship, a high school All American, and played college and pro ball. I played because I love the game. I grind to be the best. I sweat because I put in work. I'm strong because I believe. When I want to bring it before game time, I come to the house that college basketball built, the CBE. No matter your skill, take it to another level. Elevate your game right here at the College Basketball Experience at Sprint Center. This is our It's On Us pledge. It's on us to
6: make
4: a personal commitment to help keep all people safe from sexual assault, regardless of race, gender, sexual orientation, or ability. Not to be bystanders to the problem, but to be leaders of the solution. We invite you to join us in this campaign by informing your campuses about the It's On Us mission.
2: We've got more schools than Division One, more fans than Division Two, and more upsets than March Madness. There's 800 programs with over 11,000 games leading to two national championships. And we've been covering it all for over a decade from Eastern to Occidental, from Puget Sound to Piedmont, from Southwestern to the University of New England, and from Hope to Calvin. Nobody covers Division III basketball like we do. We're d3hoops.com at www.d3hoops.com.
7: Cheer for the stumbles, the heat should have had that, and the tears that linger. For in those moments, greatness lies. There, you will find the provoked, the determined, the unified. It's in those moments that champions are born.
0: Welcome back to Hoopsville, everybody. Hope you're enjoying this Sunday evening show. Now that we're back into the new year, obviously lots to talk about. We will be on the air every Thursday and Sunday for the most part from now to the end of the basketball season. If you got questions for us, tweet us at D3Hoopsville or hashtag Hoopsville. Email us, hoopsville at d3hoops.com. You can also join us on Facebook at facebook.com slash hoopsville. Don't forget the Hoopsville mailbag segment coming up next block. Um, if you want to get in a last-second question, you can certainly try. Email us, hoopsville at d3hoops.com. If you're listening to us on the podcast or on demand and you're missing the uh, – mailbag segment. Don't worry about that. Send your your uh, emails in anyway. We will feature you on a later show. Uh, that's how the Hoopsville mailbag segment works, and we hope you'll take advantage of that new segment here on the show. Now, as we're running a little bit late tonight. Um, no surprise, but lots to talk about, so we're going to get going here with our next guest. Switch back into some men's basketball here. One of the teams in the Northeast that has certainly gotten plenty of attention, or at least gotten a lot of talk this season, has been Endicott. Uh, coming off of last year's NCAA tournament where they had a great game against Worcester in the second round down at Catholic a game, they nearly won themselves. The goals have certainly had some attention, even gotten to the top 25 for the very first time in program history earlier. Uh, a couple bumps on the road, though, have uh, had the the Gulls in, on and off people's radars. They're not been off ours, though, and we want to figure out what's going on in the Northeast as it's one of our segments on a Sunday evening. So we head up to the Triple C Conference and talk to Kevin Bentoncourt out of Endicott. Coach, welcome to Hoopsville, and appreciate you taking the time.
1: No, I appreciate being on.
0: Appreciate it. And I uh, should mention, uh, Coach Bentoncourt, obviously on the City of Salem hotline. 10 and 3 overall, 5 and 1. Obviously. especially by the standards of Endicott, this is a tremendously good season. Though I would argue, and and you can agree or disagree, that probably some people are a little disappointed. Uh, I think there was a lot of hype going into the Gulls this season. I think a lot of people thought, why not? Why can't you be undefeated or with one loss right now?
1: (laughs) Yeah, I mean, you know, it's always tough when you uh, come with some high expectations. I think it's something I've tried to address with our team, but you know, you got to take it one game at a time. It's college basketball. And once you get into conference play and everybody knows each other so well, you got to bring it every day. And, uh, you know, those are some lessons we got to learn. And as much as it's difficult to take some losses, I think what we learned from last year, um, which was a similar January, you know, we went into our conference tournament at 12 and six, but, you know, we kept, you know, pressing on to try and get better and improve and play our best basketball at the end of the season, which I think we did. Um, and, you know, we're trying to keep a similar, mentality this year um but you know yeah that, that's the nature of us we're gonna have some up and, ups and downs and um you know you try not to think too much of our record i i uh i'm trying to look more at how we're playing and i thought ever since we came back from uh the holiday break we've you know kind of been struggling a little bit so i think a loss like like we had recently to western new england on the road um you know hopefully we'll get our attention that we need to address things
0: Obviously, I mean, this is a team that has had a couple good seasons recently. It's not that far ago; two seasons ago, you were twenty-three and six on the year. Um, unfortunately, lost in the first round to Stockton, which probably made a lot of people think maybe it was a little overrated. Nineteen and eleven last year, you had a heck of a finish to the season uh, and wound up in the second round against Worcester. This program has been building under your tutelage quite a bit, and that's probably raised those expectations a little bit to this year, has it not?
1: Yeah, it has. And, I, you know, obviously having prior success the last few seasons, like you mentioned, you know, and having, you know, six seniors back who have been part of the core uh, going forward is, has made it, you know, have some great expectations this season. But, you know, like I said, you just going to try to put that stuff aside. We appreciate all the attention. Um, it's been great. And, uh, you know, hopefully we can just keep building towards trying to play our best possible at the end of the year.
0: You talk about that loss last night to Western New England Saturday night, seventy-four seventy. Certainly a thriller of a game uh, on the road. Of course, Western New England has been the has been a darn good team in this conference for a while, uh, up and down themselves, but certainly in the conversation. Um, and you said you guys have been struggling a little bit. You barely beat Gordon by one. You beat Wentworth by nine prior to that. How is this a good wake up call, maybe?
1: Well you know like that's probably to be determined uh to see how we come back tomorrow our practice and then move forward into the week as we get ready for Salve, Regina and then Nichols in the weekend um you know, but you know left in New England they you know they're a good program, they're very well coached, they have nothing but respect for them, um you know, coach tab, but you know a lot of freshmen, a lot of youth on that team, so part by the record is what it is, but um you know our guys just you know just didn't have it yesterday, I thought I thought uh a little bit. Of conditioning has been an issue um, since we've come back from the holidays. I think you know we played five games in nine days, and I don't know if our guys totally were prepared for that. Um, you know, and I think it caught up to us a little bit yesterday. Lack of lack of energy and focus on our end, but that, that a lot of that had to do with Western New England. They really played well yesterday, brought a ton of intensity to the game, um, and I think they caught our guys a little bit. Um, you know, and, and you know we we struggled, and we certainly didn't make shots to the degree that we are capable of. So. Um, you know, hopefully, hopefully we can bounce back here and kind of get refocused. And we got some, certainly, some tough games coming up in the conference as we move forward.
0: Uh, so, if I'm, I'm reading this correct, you said there was too many Christmas cookies, is what you're trying to get?
1: Yeah, at. yeah p- potentially. I don't know. I, you know, <laughs> it's also just maybe losing that rhythm. You know, we had sure. some pretty good rhythm in that first semester. That's that's part of it. You know, wow. last year we came back and you know dropped two right away, and then ended up beating Middlebury. You know, it just. You just never know we've only really had two or three true practices, you know, that's why poor scheduling on my part, but you know the conference was the three game week right away, and we needed to hop in a holiday tournament to kind of get the rust off and um you know, I thought we probably have the depth to handle that, but um you know i we'll we'll still take where we're at with things uh as long as we continue to recognize we need to get better.
0: Uh, this team has got, uh, I believe, six seniors on it, obviously senior-laden. Obviously, as you kind of indicated, the, the core group of seniors who had come back, probably, probably a reason a lot of people thought that they would play well this season and have a really good season. Um, no surprise there. Of course, you're led by three seniors, those ones we mentioned, Kamal Walker, Max Matroni, Mont- and Taquan Sampson, 18.2 points a game for Walker. Montroni at 15 points a game, Sampson 11.5 um, and of course they're that core group of rebounders for you as well with Sampson leading the way at 6.6. Uh, Walker, two and a half assists a game, and Montrone, three assists a game. Obviously, it's that core group, but all good teams have more than just a core that's good. What else jumps out? I mean, you've got a freshman who's played six games, who's got eight and a half points a game, and then you've got two more seniors. Is it all seniors here, or do we have other stories on this team?
1: No, there's some. I mean, you know, Keith Brown, he's a talented freshman for us. He uh, suffered a stress fracture in his foot the first month of the season. So, you know, he's only really practiced with us those two days after the holidays before jumping into the stretch of games. Um, you know, we we also the kid Chris Lipscomb, one of our seniors. He, he's a two-sport athlete for us. We miss him. He he practiced once and then is suiting up to play Babson uh, on the road. So, you know, we have some guys um, – you know, beyond that. But right now, you know, what's happened with our group, I think we have a lot of young freshmen and sophomores that are pretty good. But, you know, we got we seniors who've won a lot and played a lot of minutes and kind of have the position spread out pretty well. I mean, we pretty much cover our starting five with that. So, you know, sometimes that blocks a little bit of the youth. Um, you know, and some of these younger uh, college players, they kind of need to adjust as they, you know, get into bench-type roles. Um, that's not easy because most guys are star players in high school. So, you know, all those things are hopefully going to try to come together for us and um, you know, as we keep building.
0: Talking to uh, Kevin Gordon, the head coach of Endicott. Uh, the team is, as we said, 10-3 and 3 on the season. Of course, they're a game behind Nichols, and we'll talk more about that coming up. Talking about the team, Coach, uh, pretty balanced. You're outscoring your opponents by nearly 10 points a game, averaging about 70 points when you give it up on defense. Is this a team that can defensively shut people down, or is this a team that's got to be clicking on offense for you to win?
1: Well, I think it starts with our defense. You know, maybe that's just a coach's thing to say, but I, you know, I think one of our biggest strengths is playing on the defensive end and then getting out in transition with our offense. Um, you know, and I think that's where fatigue. Like a day like yesterday, we were a little sluggish defensively. We didn't really create any turnovers. Didn't really get enough misses to get rebounds and break out because we have a lot of team speed. Um, you know, and they really kind of cost us to. I mean, forced us to play in the half court offensively. Um, you know, and, and the sh- shots weren't you know, falling from the outside, you know, looking at it, we ended up shooting 50% yesterday, but I think our defense starts everything. I think when we really can get stops and get out in transition, we're a pretty dangerous team. We got a lot a lot of ball handling, a lot of guard play. Um, so I would kind of more, try, you know, go on that side of things, but offensively, you know, obviously we need to continue to try to execute, especially at the end of games. Um, you know, that's something we've we even talked about dating back to last year in that Worcester game. You know, up 11 with four minutes left and uh, kind of struggled executing in the half court and let them kind of get back into it, um, and then they got us in overtime. So, you know, hopefully we can kind of still build both, both facets of the game.
0: Is that defense-offensive mentality what we see in that game? For example, Babson, you held him to 72 points. That's a very high-scoring offense. It can be. Granted, you only scored 60 because they're a defensive team as well. But is that what we see in that game? And and what else can we make of that, especially what do you think of Babson?
1: Well, I think in that game, you know, well, the start from our game against our experience, you know, they had a 45-24 at the half. So they did have an explosive first half and kind of put us in a hole. Um, you know, I think a little bit of that was, you know, being on the road, being maybe a little tentative with all the, you know, I, I probably overhyped them up to a degree in, in the sense that I thought we played a little scared in that first half, but they're a great team. Um, but I thought they have so many weapons, they're so dangerous and they started hitting shots early and it was just really difficult to keep up with them. And I thought in the second half, you know, we were down 20, so we just started, you know, kind of, you a little bit more <laughs> and probably had a little bit more success, but. Um, you know, they put it on us pretty good to start that one. Uh, in regards to Babson, I don't know. I mean, I'm, I'm, I'm new to this division three world to a degree, only having three years in, but being fortunate enough to be in a couple NSA tournaments, that's as good a team as I've seen, uh, in person, certainly. I, uh, they have all the pieces and, you know, including coaching and senior leadership. So, you know, I'd, I'd expect them to be a really difficult out. Joey Flannery, you know, it always helps to have, let's just say, at least, if not the best player, one of the couple best players in the country on your team. Um, so, they're going to be a they're going to be a handful for somebody in March. I would uh,
0: anticipate. Obviously, coming up, you've gone on the road to Salve Regina. Then you'll come home against game against Nichols. Not that I want to skip Salve Regina, but that Nichols game stands out like a sore thumb right now. They've had three straight 20-win seasons out of a conference that obviously doesn't get in that large all that often. Um, but the way they're playing, they're on top of the conference. You're a game back. That's a really big mid-January game and. It can dictate a lot, but it could also maybe tell the rest of New England something, could it not?
1: Yeah, I mean, you know, I have a lot of respect for Nichols. They've been tremendous. They've won the regular season the last two years, and that's kind of maybe been a little overshadowed because, you know, we've gotten, um, you know, some breaks in the tournament. But, you know, a tremendous program. They're very well coached. They play so hard, you know. You know, days like yesterday where we drop one on the road that, at least on paper, it seems like, you know, you're supposed to win. It makes me kind of appreciate how difficult a regular season title is, which Nichols accomplished the last two years, you know. And, you know, since uh, Tommy Glenn's taken over, 39 and 3 in the conference is, is in the regular season is impressive. When you are looking at their, their record. So, you know, that'll be a difficult challenge, like they all are. Um, you know, but it's hard to get too um, juiced up for games like that in January. I mean, we got to kind of handle our business, continue to improve. Um, I think we we'd be making a mistake if we put too much into that one January game and you know, days like yesterday, those are where regular season sometimes. Yeah. You know, days where, you know, it's not always on paper this big matchup, but you gotta go handle um, you know, do your job and handle your responsibilities and um, you know, that's kinda where championships are won. So, you know, I'd anticipate us obviously hoping to have a little bit of uh you know, added focus this week. I think Salve game. I think we'll all be looking forward to trying to get out there and play again, and and redeem ourselves and get back on the right track. And you know, Nichols, those games they don't need any build up with us. Uh, We know how challenging that one's going to be. And um, you know, the the one thing I've been, you know, making plugs with, you know, it's just such an exciting brand. You know, both teams they they really make you get up. And and, you know, sometimes we have a ton of quickness, so that'll be like a track meet type game. I'm sure it'll be a fun one.
0: Um. Obviously, you come from Bucknell Division One. We'll get a little more into that in a minute. But then I looked at your coaching tree a little bit. You're not necessarily been at a school or in a conference, I should say, where the at-large bid was something that was a serious contemplation, even in Division One. Um, and obviously, that means you probably don't know any better than to have a conference that has an at-large bid. But can Nichols? Can yourselves? Can others in the Triple C position themselves? You think? Maybe not this year. Maybe this year. I don't know. Yeah. If years in the future to be able to compete for an at-large bid, so that you're not a one-bid conference.
1: Well, I mean, it's certainly the goal. You know, it, it's. I don't really necessarily know the formula. Being new to the conference, but you know, we play 18 of our 25 in, within the conference. Yeah. So you know, you really have to have a a pretty strong impact in those seven games. Um, you know, and by no fault of anybody, sometimes you're able to get some. You know uh NESCAC, you know, mac those type of schools on your schedule. And then sometimes because the dates not matching up, you can't. Um so I think we all are trying to schedule as as well as we can. Um, you know, I was really excited just to be able to get to in and Middlebury on the schedule mm-hmm. this year on top of some others. And you know, I think on giving years it, it's certainly possible. i I will say, you know, we were Whatever the record was, 18 and 10 going into the NCAA tournament, we you know we came in fourth place in our conference and we got in the NCAA tournament, and I didn't think we were outmatched at all. I think our conference really prepared us last year. Um, you know, I don't know the long history of it. Like I said, I've only been here a couple of years, but um, you know, I would put Nichols last year and against any team we played in terms of. Um, how good of a talented team they were. Last year we played King State, who was in the Sweet 16. Middlebury, who was in the Sweet 16. Obviously we played Catholic. We played Wooster, who beat us to get to the Sweet 16. I mean, we, we played some really good teams last year. Nichols was as good as any of them. Yeah, obviously um, the- so just, just a matter of us having to try to build that resume. I don't know if it's possible, I guess, with 18 of our 25 games within the conference. I, I don't know how the math will all work on that. Um, it's, it's difficult for our league to really show we, we measure up maybe at times.
0: Yeah, I mean the win over Catholic certainly turned some eyes too, and I totally had forgotten about the win over Middlebury, of course, on the road too, which is a tough play. Beat them 83, 89 at the beginning of the season. That certainly looks pretty good. Um, you know, I Bucknell, I, I, I kind of regard it as a, div- as a Division three school at Division one, and that's not a knock on Bucknell, but just the mentality there is very much Division three. Much of that conference is a Division three mentality. Very much student athlete. Um, and that there's bigger things out there. Heck, a lot of division three coaches end up going through Bucknell on their way elsewhere. Is that a fair assessment? And how much has Bucknell influenced your coaching?
1: Well, Bucknell, you know, kind of brought me into this whole college basketball world. I mean, being able to play for Coach Flannery who, you know, way back when won a division three national championship. Yep. Um, you know, certainly inspired me. He's a guy who, you know, he was at the first game I ever coached. He still texts me after most of my games. He's always kept tabs on me. His son's, you know, playing at Johns Hopkins, so he's in this Division Three world still, paying attention. Um, you know, I don't, I don't know if it's a fair assessment anymore. I think when I first got there, I'd agreed with you. I think the Patriot league scholarships and you sure. know, guys like C.J. McCollum, Mike Muscala, in the NBA coming out of the league. I think it's evolved some, um, but certainly the student part of that is definitely emphasized strongly in the Patriot League. I mean, that's why you pick those schools, and you know, we. I, I always say when I give speeches, sometimes. One of the main reasons I was able to even play in Division One, good enough student. Um, you know that the, the the academic requirements of that league filter it out a little. Um, so I'm sure there were some better players out there who might not have been able to play Division One, but my academics were able to allow me that chance. But um, you know Bucknell, you know, it paved the way for me, and I, I certainly always keep close tabs on them. My my old coach who was the head coach of Randolph Macon, Nate, da- uh, okay. Nate Davis. He's taken over now. They've off to a great start. I think they're 12-5. and 5. They just beat Holy Cross today. Um, you know, my, one of my college teammates, John Griffin, is helping him. So i um, still closely connected to that program. I would say, you know, between my Bucknell and then my at uh, Bentley, my Division II job with Jay Lawson, it's, it's really helped um, get me off to a good start in my head coaching career.
0: Um, Before we let you go, curious uh, if this is the toughest part of the season where you guys have kind of gotten to the midway point and now you're kind of grinding through things.
1: Yeah, I mean, like I said, once you you get back into that conference schedule, I think this time of the year, too, when the guys are on anyway break, as much as we always build up that time that, hey, you know, we always sell it like you can kind of be like professional basketball players. You're not in class right now. You just focus on ball. Uh, I think sometimes that gets you out of your routine a little bit. Mm. Um uh, and I think sometimes the classes help regulate that and keep you keep you waking up early, getting yourself going, eating regular meals. So, um I think this is usually, you know, a very difficult time of the schedule. Um, you know, it has proven to be um for our seats the last two years in terms of being a little bit choppy, but um hopefully the guys and you know, this is for all teams, just hopefully everybody can stay engaged and, and get their get the message of just their best basketball and as we get to February hopefully we can try to make another push towards a championship.
0: Well, Coach, I appreciate you taking time to join us here this evening uh, to talk about your goals. Obviously, uh, a lot of eyes on you, and you're playing well. Obviously, I think it's gonna, excuse me going to be a fascinating conference to watch this year uh, as well. As always, we go. We give the coach the final word. Any final thoughts you want to share with those who may be tuning in?
1: No, I just uh, you know appreciate you having me on and uh, really looking forward to the challenge of the rest of the season. I think it's going to be a really great conference year.
0: Yeah, we're looking forward to it. Thanks so much, Coach. Good luck the rest of the season. We'll look forward to talking to you down the road. Thank you, Dave. Kevin Benton Court joining us here on the City of Salem Hoopsville hotline. Again, the team is 10-3 and overall, 5-1 in conference play. They'll be at Regina, Salve Regina on Friday, or I'm sorry, on Wednesday, on Saturday at home against conference leader Nichols. And, uh, well, we're going to call it a big game. Obviously, Coach will try and keep his team a little bit more focused on the task at hand. When we come back, we'll go to the Hoopsville mailbag, see what you have ask us and we'll wrap up the show as well last chance for questions hoopsville at d3hoops.com via email you can always tweet us as well at d 3 hoopsville or hashtag hoopsville you're watching hoopsville presented by d3hoops.com from the wbca and abc studios we wrap up hoopsville right after this
3: my name is marcus walker i was all state won a state championship a high school all-american and played college and pro ball i played because i love the game i grind to be the best I sweat because I put in work. I'm strong because I believe. When I want to bring it before game time, I come to the house that college basketball built, the CBE. No matter your skill, take it to another level. Elevate your game right here at the College Basketball Experience at Sprint Center.
4: I'm a Division III student athlete, and I know how powerful words can be. The term gay doesn't mean stupid, lame, or less than.
5: So I pledge to speak up if I hear the term gay used in a derogatory way or any other homophobic terms.
4: If you can play, you can play in Division 3
5: I'm a Division Three student-athlete, and my teammates unconditionally accepted me as part of their family. So now I pledge to do the same for others. If you can play, you can play in Division 3
2: We've got more schools than Division I, more fans than Division II, and more upsets
5: Great moments are born from great opportunity. That's what you have here tonight. That's what you have here tonight. This is your time. Now go out there and take it.
0: And welcome back to Hoops Hill, everybody. Hope you're enjoying the show. Uh, if you got any questions for us, you can always tweet us at D3 Hoopsville or hashtag Hoopsville. Email us, hoopsville at d3hoops.com. Join us on Facebook, facebook.com slash hoopsville. Of course, um, you can also um, always follow us on Instagram at D3 Hoopsville as well. That's where we promote the show or at least tell you where we're traveling to, et cetera, et cetera. Earlier in the show, we tried our interview with Stevens Point Athletics Director um, Brad Dutwork. Duckworth. It did not Go according to plan. We did pre-tape that interview earlier today with him. We will be running that here momentarily after we take another break. Um, so you will be able to hear that, and then we'll wrap up the show. In the meantime, we want to go to our Hoopsville mailbag. This is a new segment introduced to the show thanks to some of the suggestions out there, and so we're, we're we're trying it. This is also a huge advantage for those who can't listen to the show and get your questions answered. Again, those who can't watch the show live can watch it on demand, or you can listen and download the podcast via SoundCloud or via iTunes, and we hope you do so. This is a chance to email us um, and an- get those questions answered on a future show. So hoopsville at d3hoops.com. Hoopsville at d3hoops.com is the easiest way to do that. Um, you can also always ask us questions via Twitter, but to be part of the mailbag, we ask you to email them to us. And we'll start with our first question that we received. Week. Uh, there seems to be a little uh be little discussion about the big red and their great start to the season at 12 and 1, 6 and 0 in conference. Can Dennison run the table in the NCAC? Um, can anyone in the NCAC match them? Well, that's a great question. I try this much. I I am I've been on the verge of having Dennison on the show. We did so much coverage of Great Lakes basketball, not basketball, but Great Lakes um well, yeah, basketball, Great Lakes, especially on the men's side. But with Thomas Moore, we quite did quite a bit on the women's side too earlier in the season. That we just wanted to take a little bit of a break from some of that. We'll get back into it. Denison, heck, we could we could talk to him as early as Thursday for all I know. But Denison right now, twelve and 6 and zero in the conference. They have a two game lead on uh, Ohio Wesleyan, DePaul, and Worcester, who are all four and two. Denison has wins over Ohio Northern, Case Western Reserve, Worcester. Wittenberg in overtime, they lost to Capitol, um, beat Ohio Wesleyan um, la- earlier this week and beat Allegheny by uh, 41 on Saturday. Um, they've got one of the best records in the conference. Interesting enough, the second best record in the conference is Wittenberg at 9-4, but Wittenberg is 3-3 three and three. Um, in, in uh, conference action. No, I don't think Denison can go undefeated in this conference. No, I don't think Denison's going to run away with it. They've got a two-game lead on Ohio Wesleyan. Ohio Wesleyan 7-6. Ohio is one of those uh, teams this season. Um, they had a three-game losing streak against Capitol, Illinois, Wesleyan, and Otterbein uh, early on to go 2-3, and, and they have lost three of their last four to WashU, Denison, and Worcester with only a win over Hobart, and they lost to Worcester by 23. Part of me says... Ohio Wesleyan will wake up. Part of me says that Worcester will improve, though I don't think Worcester is as good as many would have thought they would have been or maybe have gotten used to. Um, we will have actually Worcester on sometime in the near future is what I should say now that I think about it, because we know they're Steve Moore's close time record and the win over Ohio Wesleyan may have done that. So, Thursday we may get a Worcester on the show, so it'll be a little longer before we get Dennison here. I, I think the Big Red have a very good chance of winning the regular season. Will they keep ticking along at twelve and one, six and zero? Tells me no, and it's not a knock on them. It's just it's a it's a grind. They've got second tied for second to at eight and five, four and two coming up. They've got Wabash after that. Wabash is seven and six, three and three. Um, then they've got Hiram and Kenyon, um, Kenyon's two and five and Hiram is six. and six. Then Oberlin, then Wittenberg. Then it's Ohio Wesleyan, Worcester, DePaul, Allegheny, Hiram, Wabash. I, I just feel like they're going to run into a couple real tough challenges. I don't think they can go undefeated the rest of the way. Um, NCAC isn't as, as, as challenging as I thought it was going to be. Um, I certainly think they're they're doing tremendous. Uh, I think they'll move up the rankings here as more and more teams lose ahead of them. I think a lot of question, people have questions for the Big Red. They weren't exactly on anybody's radars at the beginning of the season, so yeah, I, I'll be I'll be fascinated to see how this plays out. Um, no, I don't think they go on blemish. We'll learn more about them. I think Ohio Wesleyan. I, listen, maybe I'm naive, but I think Ohio Wesleyan will wake up at some point um, and and maybe make a run there. To, to finish second or or try and take first. That's just my gut feeling. Um, we'll see if I'm right. I could be dead wrong on that, um, but we'll see. Uh, but, yeah, I think they're a good team. A lot of questions. I mean, just just a lot of questions. Uh, but I don't think they can run the table. I think they'll take a loss or two, and it's not because they're not good. I think the Ohio Wesleyan might finally wake up, and other teams are certainly challenging enough as well. Back to the mailbag. Still lots of undefeated teams on the women's side. Of the non-top 10 undefeated teams currently in the D3 Hoops. Mary Washington, Trinity, Texas, Ohio Northern, Whitman, Messiah. Who stands the best chance of staying undefeated the longest? That's a terrific question, Margaret in Virginia. Um, I would argue that it's probably going to be Trinity. Um, Whitman has got, of course... Uh, George Fox, Lewis and Clark, and Puget Sound in their conference. I just don't see that happening. Messiah nearly lost to Stevenson the other night. Stevenson missed a shot at the buzzer that would have won it. I don't see Messiah getting through Stevenson and Albright twice more um, without taking a blemish. Of course, I say that forgetting who uh, Messiah played this weekend. I'll quickly look that up. Uh, Messiah is certainly playing well, and I'm very impressed with them. Um, I just don't think they're going to get through this conference, which has been tough in the past. Yeah, so they they barely beat Stevenson, then they beat Widener. They've got Hood, Albright, Lebanon, Val, Lyco, Arcadia ahead. I think Albright on the 14th, it's at home, might be a win for them. they got to return it against Stevenson on February 1st, and then the last game of the season is against Albright. I just don't see Messiah running the table in this conference. Ohio Northern uh, certainly playing well. Uh, this conference is sneaky good. Um, Baldwin Wallace is 11 and 2, 4 and 2 in conference play, sitting in second place. And then, if anything, Ohio Northern could play could lose their next game on the road at Baldwin Wallace, and if not, then February 1st at home against Baldwin Wallace. Um, Mary Washington's not going to stay undefeated. Um, I think Christopher Newport could knock them off. Um, I think Marymount could knock them off. Uh, York, if if they continue to play well. Could certainly be a dangerous team to watch out for. Uh, I just don't see Marymount running the table or Mary Washington running the table here. Remember, Christopher Newport's also undefeated, though they're in the top ten. So I know I don't think Mary Washington goes undefeated. Uh, Trinity Texas, I think, has got the best chance. Nothing against the SCAC; uh, it doesn't scare me. I don't think it scares them. They have got a point to prove from last year, having lost one of their best play- their best player. Um, halfway through the season, which greatly affected how they finished the year. Um, But the conference doesn't scare me. Um, Texas Lutheran might be their biggest test, maybe Austin. But I think Trinity Texas goes the longest undefeated from that group of teams that was asked. That's my guess. And finally, the last one we got from Bruce in SoCal. Thanks for adding the mailbag segment. You're welcome, Bruce. It is great to see your input from listeners. Well, we're trying. Bestie your opinion to watch a game this one is difficult and bruce i shouldn't have even pulled it out of the mailbag. um there's a lot of places i love watching a game i got a chance to watch the final four at hope i think it's a wonderful arena to see a game in um i'm looking forward this is a hint at what we're trying to pull off at the end of february maybe going there for the men's game and the hope trying women's game Uh, We may go there to see it in a true hope fashion. Calvin, 30 minutes away, has certainly got a spectacular facility. Uh, I have not seen it in a basketball setup, and I've not been there for a game, but it's certainly a wonderful facility, and I think well worth watching a game at. You got a bunch out in the Midwest, tremendous. Uh, Stevens Point's Quant Center is pretty good. You know, you hear great things about uh, the Shirk Center for Illinois Wesleyan. I'd love to get to a game at places like Chicago or Wash U. But as far as places I have been, uh, Rochester's palestra is just awesome to see a game in. It's, it's old fashioned. It's different. It's not what you expect. I just loved my experience there seeing a game. It's too bad. The cave center is gone. or the Cole center is gone at NYU. That was a heck of an experience to see a game at though. I wouldn't say it was one of the best necessarily. Um, I'll tell you the Salem Civic Center but we'll we'll move on from that I think the Salem Civic Center is outstanding to see a game at obviously in Salem Virginia uh, but as far as places I've seen games I've seen places at uh, games at a number of great arenas Rochesters is at the top of my list for sure hopes is at the top of my list for sure I am sure I haven't an- thought of somebody that that stands out as one of my favorites uh at the same time there's a number of places i would like to go see a game uh, and i haven't had an opportunity yet and uh there's they're on my list but um by the way i did get a chance to see a game at roanoke one of the brand new arenas uh in division three i think it's a wonderful place to see a game at except i think it needs to get through its growing pains phase or its newness phase before uh, i would i would chalk it up i think they need to work on a few things to improve it as you do for all new buildings as you as you get used to what they're like and then i think it'd be an outstanding place to see a game um. Those are a couple off the top of my head. I am quite sure I have missed some. If you have an idea, tweet them to me. I'd certainly love to hear your thoughts on places that are great to see games at. I know there's a bunch in the Midwest I haven't had a chance. Uh, Augustana was fun to see a game at. I've seen games at Augustana, uh, but I wouldn't call it one of my favorite places. But it certainly was fun. There's other wonderful locales, too. But uh, I hope that answered your question. By the way, we didn't get a chance, because of all the Stevens Point stuff, to talk about the Hoopsil Classic. And let me tell you, the Hoopsville Classic was outstanding. Uh, we got to see Salisbury, despite going 0-5, certainly played well. Harden Simmons showed me what I thought they were as being a really good team. Ramapo, uh, I jumped them into my despite being unranked because I think they're that darn good. After I saw them, I think that's the best Ramapo team we have seen in Salem. It was or in Vegas, uh, and they've been there six out of the seven years, including a year they came in ranked and played Stevens Point. Uh, Lewis and Clark and Puget Sound women's basketball teams impressed me. Despite Lewis and Clark's struggles this week, that's more indicative of the conference. That is definitely a four-deep conference this year. It's going to be fun to watch that race all the way down to the end. Uh, You heard from Lori Payne earlier introduce our our center court segment. It's nice to have those um, segments from the WPCA, but those games were fun. And even teams that didn't necessarily play tremendously well, it was fun to see different styles and different Hoops, Simpson and Co. on the women's side. Wonderful to see the banana slugs of Santa Cruz get a win over Wheaton and then see Wheaton respond the next day and get a victory themselves. It was a good tournament. My whole point of it all was, one, we have openings for next year at the D3Hoops.com Classic in South Point Arena in Las Vegas. Let us know. We'll get you in touch with Sport Tours. How to get a hold of them yourself. It is worth going, folks, and it's worth doing. And by the way, Ramapo is the latest team to send us a jersey. I want to thank Chuck McBreen and his group for sending us this. Um, they saw the the TCNJ jersey, not TCNJ, New Jersey City jersey that we got uh, and said, oh, we can't have that, as Chuck McBreen said, and he made sure to get us a Ramapo jersey, so we have one. Now, you'll notice some of the jerseys we've gotten recently we haven't been able to hang. That is going to be changed soon. We've gotten some things to help change them, and we will be putting them up here and redoing the, the studio a little bit in the next few weeks to get them dressed up and looking good behind us. We're going to take another break. When we come back, hopefully the interview we have, points, Brad Duckworth, will be working in working order, and you get to hear from the AD, and then we'll wrap up the show. you are listen to Hoops, presented by D3Hoops.com. From the WBCA and ABC Studios, more Hoops will after this.
3: My name is Marcus Walker. I was All-State, won a state championship, a high school All-American, and play college and pro ball. I play because I love the game. I grind to be the best. I sweat because I put in work. I'm strong because I believe. When I want to bring it before game time, I come to the house that college basketball built, the CE. No matter your skill, take it to another level. Elevate your game right here at the College Basketball Experience at Sprint Center.
4: I'm a Division III student athlete, and I know how powerful words can be. The term gay doesn't mean stupid, lame, or less than.
5: So I pledge to speak up if I hear the term gay used in a derogatory way or any other homophobic terms.
4: If you can play,
5: you can play in Division 3 I'm a Division Three student-athlete, and my teammates unconditionally accepted me as part of their family. So now I pledge to do the same for others. If you can play, you can play in Division 3
2: We've got more schools than Division I, more fans than Division more upsets than March Madness,
0: back to Hoopsville, everybody. Hope you uh, have been enjoying the show. Obviously, we're just getting underway. Uh, last block, kind of catching up on what we were unable to catch up on Thursday. Um, plenty more to talk about. We could do the show almost nightly, to be honest with you. Though, honestly, we couldn't, but we could. Uh, and we'd have plenty to talk about in Division 3. Of course, one of those things we're talking about in Division 3 is Stevens point. We will always remember, if you have questions for us, hoops, or email us hoopsville at d3hoops.com or tweet us at d3hoopsville.com. Hashtag Hoopsville, et cetera, et cetera. You know that stuff. It's on the bottom of your screen. And, of course, Stephen's point kind of blew up the show on Thursday, had a lot of interesting content uh, to talk about. We have continued to talk about it on uh, on D3hoops.com, on the D3 boards as well, on social media. There's plenty of questions, and we're not going to get a lot of answers. This is one of those rare inst- instances where we kind of understand where the NCA is going with an investigation before the NCA comes out to say anything about their investigation. We may not know from the NCAA until March or April, once the timeline, and the processes, and the procedures go through the necessary steps and deadlines, et cetera, of knowing what happened in this case from the NCAA's investigative point of view. However, we will continue to try and talk to those we may be able to talk to regarding it, and uh, we will continue to do that when necessary. And one of those cases would be the Stevens Point point of view. And I am say that joining us on the city of salem hotline is the athletics director of stevens point brad duckworth you may know brad he was the former athletics director at alverno former women's coach at at alverno as well so we've had him on the show a few times so certainly not in this role brad a uh, role brad join, uh, joins us and thank you for taking the time
4: yeah i certainly appreciate it
0: um first and foremost um i i say this a little tongue-in-cheek did you realize what you were walking into when you took the job back in the summer <laughs>
4: uh no i you, you know when i accepted the job i this wasn't um there wasn't a part of the interview that that uh let me know about the compliance situation that we were having but uh shortly thereafter yeah, i was informed of um the ongoing process and and um, it wouldn't have changed my mind it, you know that's when leadership has to step up and um so it's been an interesting five months but uh no it, to answer your question when i took the job i, I wasn't completely aware of this
0: I do hope you asked for uh, an additional sure. raise after the... F- <laughs> um,
4: it, I'll, I'll give you my boss's number. How about that?
0: <laughs> I don't know how much power I've got there, Brad. Um, I need to raise myself. Um, <laughs> there you go. So obviously this is an interesting situation. We're talking about technically a repeat offender due to the fact that the same thing was was dinged on the same program. Similar. I don't same thing. Let me let me choose my words correctly. There, similar because we don't know truly the the connections. So it feels like it has a repeat offender connection to it. That Semling, who was on that staff, was, in the eyes of what I'm reading in between the lines, should have known better. Kind of mentality. From your point of view, and obviously you've only been there five or so many months. This process moved from from A to B to C or whatever, and, and where is this process now? And yeah, we can go from there, I guess.
4: Well, you know, it, it, the NCAA has um, um, a process when it comes to any sort of allegations um, or, or potential violations, and uh, they alerted the institution um, of some potential uh, violations, and UW Stevens Point, prior to my time, did an internal investigation. Um, they concluded that uh, we had um, some, some impermissible um, viewing men's basketball student-athletes out of season. At that point, the institution deemed them second in, 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 secondary in nature, um, self-imposed three, three practices in a letter of reprimand, and submitted it to the NCAA, you know, and, and those of us in the NCAA understand that they can do three things with that, accept it, the punitive measures, and see if we agree with the additional punitive measures, or they can conduct their own investigation. And, and um, in this particular case, they chose to conduct their own investigation. We've reported and, and, and been as transparent as we can that the, their investigation phase of this is over. Um, once they got done with that in uh, early December, we received word that um, we were, their findings or their investigation period was complete and their findings had led to four Um, major violations. And we had a little bit of time to respond, but our response wasn't uh, one of factual. It was one of clerical. You know, if there was a typing error or a date error or a name error, we sent that back. They had some time to respond to us. And when they responded to us, they came in with a timeline and and a to-do list. Um, We are in the middle of the to-do list, and part of the to-do list is... um, Um, Now that we know the allegations um, and know the violations, um, you know, it's a self-governed process. So we were uh, asked to work on a self-imposed penalty, and we did that. Uh, We did that in consultation with them and with our conference office and uh, with the allies, which we could uh, use, even you know, knowing that this is a confidential process. So um, that's where we're at now. There's some steps, going, as you mentioned earlier, uh, there's steps that will take some time going forward, um, and then eventually this will end up in the um, Committee on Infractions, and, and, and we'll, we'll, um, we'll hope that the Committee on Infractions, um, you know, accepts our self-imposed penalties and we can start to move our men's basketball program forward.
0: Let me check on something that I think has been at the crux of a lot of people's arguments for against whatever the case may be, and obviously in your media statement it says allegation one, allegation two three allegation four yeah. allegations mean that they're not proven allegations mean that there's still uh, time to uh, defend oneself for lack of a better description that there is no proof however in what you say and i know how the NCA process works i a feeling under uh, maybe reading between the lines that the allegations are the violations and that the NCA has basically stated Unless you feel otherwise, and I know there's a process to that, this is what we have found you guilty of or found you, maybe not guilty is a wrong term, but found you having broken. Are these allegations maybe a different way of saying this is what you were found uh, violated unless something dramatically changes? This isn't changing either? Well,
4: this is a process, but yes. I mean, if you were to ask an attorney, the word allegation is, has a little bit more, uh, and trust me, I've had, I've had uh, my share of a couple of attorneys sure. give me some input on this, um, you know, not just since it's broken. Um, but the word allegation has a little bit more weight than just um, we're looking into this. Um, you know, at, at this point, we believe that, um, you know, we're going to be faced with four major violations that were laid out earlier. And um, uh, we're working hard in response to them. There, you know, could I guess technically could this change could the committee what will happen in all investing, this is an investig this is a NCA process so this certainly shouldn't be bound by confidentiality whenever there's whenever there's this kind of report it goes to the NCAA when you self report and then the NCAA um, will put the report and the and the self report together or the self imposed penalties together they move that to the committee on attractions the Committee on Infractions purview is to do two things. One is to either accept or reject the report as it's written. Now, we assume that the Committee on Infractions will accept the report as written because the NCA put it together. Sure. Um, could they come back? Sure. But uh, we believe that'll be unlikely. Then they'll take a look at our self-imposed penalties and they'll, uh, they'll react to that. Do the, pen, do the self-imposed penalties um, satisfy... What we're reading here in the report, um, and and at this point we believe they do. So that's what that's what will happen moving forward.
0: So um, it is to be obviously we're in that that phase before it gets to that committee, and I and all schools are certainly going to feel that their self-imposed punishments enough justice. But I've you know the question that certainly surrounds everybody: Are you nervous that it won't? And something like that national title for 2015 is in jeopardy of being pulled.
4: Well, you know, anytime there's, there's, there's any sort of, uh, of uncertainty, there can be some, um, you know, we don't know. Uh, could, is there a possibility? Sure. I mean, the, the Committee on Infractions has their purview to, to decide what is a fair retribution to what is four major allegations or violations. We believe um, through consultation we didn't do this in a capsule we didn't do this um, you know as an institution in a a board room you know we talked to everybody that we we were legally able to talk to we believe that um, a 13 game suspension and a postseason ban is is uh, significant you know we're talking about a program that's won four national championships since 2004 so postseason ban obviously is significant for this program and um you know that's the purview. I I can't speak for the committee on infractions, but we believe we are hopeful um, through what we've we've learned that um, we put in what we can put into this, and, and and we'll see. I guess as the process lays itself out, we've covered our bases at this point.
0: Was <clears throat> a lot of this? Several that I've talked to, both on and off the record, several that uh, inside and outside of the department who who knows about this investigation or at least knows how the NCAA works. I've gathered that many on the campus, maybe primarily before you treated this as if it was a minor infraction, that it wasn't going to end up being that big a deal, that this would be done. I even got told beginning of October that we would eventually know the outcome and we would move on. No worries. When did it escalate to to four major violations? And was maybe those on campus, including former administrators, who knows, Maybe being a little naive.
4: Um, well, I, I I think when when you say it's minor in nature and it comes back to four major violations, I think that that's probably their statement. Um, you know, when I took the position in July, um, the, you know we had at that point already submitted this as a secondary violation. Uh, when it escalates, um, you know, when when the NCA gave us information that they were going to come to camp and do their own investigation, was for those of us that have been around the business like yourself long enough, um, we 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 like the NCA, we certainly love being a member of the NCA, but
7: <laughs> you
0: don't even, want them on your campus.
4: You you usually don't say, hey, come on, Indianapolis, we'd love to treat <laughs> you to, to dinner in Stevens Point. Um, so we knew then. I knew then. Um, I'll speak for myself when i when i when when they made the decision to come here and then I had read uh what we're up against from the first report um certainly had an inkling immediately that we may be facing something much much bigger uh than you know a secondary in a couple of practices so they came they did their investigation as we've stated that's complete um and uh you know they've recently given us their findings, and they're their, uh, their allig- their, their alleged for major violations. So ga- it, it's been a lot.
0: I've gathered also that maybe that investigation found more. I know the prospective students, pract- and I don't want to use the word practicing, let's, f- let's find the exact word, um, observed approximately 16 men's basketball prospective student-athletes as they participated in men's basketball student-athletes in activities. That seemed to come out of nowhere believe in those like myself who had been trying to keep their finger on the pulse of this it sounds like the investigation found more than just what the initial anonymous complaint and initial investigation had indicated
4: um well you know it, we have been as transparent as we can be in this process I, I really good person and coach Semling and our men's basketball program and anybody who's been through this um the, the thing that I've been the most proud of as a new administrator coming in is that we've had complete and, um, uh, complete compliance and complete, um, uh, you know, we've worked with the NCA in every way that we can. So, um, you know, the first report that came out that was, that was published in public about the secondary violations, which is allegation one didn't mention allegation two. Um, you know, obviously we have a second allegation and, and, um, uh, that came out of finding somewhere <laughs> um, and, and that that'll be that's about as much as i can comment on that at this point but um we did have a second you know we have you know and then obviously we have the atmosphere of compliance and then the failure to monitor so um when we we initially reported a secondary violation it was observation of of uh, athletically related activities and since that point we've had four majors so i guess one to conclude that um, you know, obviously, when the NCAA came here, they they added on and and, and came up with some things that uh, we didn't find the first time around.
0: You're a former women's basketball coach, as we mentioned at Alverno. You obviously have been a for This is not your first athletics director job either. Um, a lot of people will say, "Well, come on, we're talking about a coach walking through a gym," or um, so on and so forth. These, are, you know, if we start, you know, be you know splitting hairs here, we could find a number of schools in violation. Of these types of misconducts, especially on the on the activity side, I, I don't want to get into the prospective student athletes thing. That's that one's a little more complicated. And, and but as far as just the regular activities thing, you know, a lot of schools and a lot of people would say, "Geez, you know, you could nail a lot of schools for this." This sounds like a little bit of uh, of splitting hairs, as I said. However reading between the lines i also gather that there's a difference in accidentally walking through and, my, and seeing your team practice and maybe doing it on a more um uh concerted effort that that maybe the investigation found this wasn't just some accident of gyms that there was a as you you know as it says uh an air, an atmosphere of compliance that Basically, it was uh eh, we can we can do a few things here and there and not worry about it is I that a fair assessment that this is more than splitting hairs? this is because maybe there was a pattern?
4: well um I mean I'm not trying to dodge this question that's part of the ongoing investigation and and when this is the final report um, when the confidentiality is is removed, I will gladly come back on your call and 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 um Talk to you about how they came to allegation number one and what they found. Um, so you know, in terms of speaking as a as a as the AD at Stevens Point, um, you know, and obviously I've heard that same comment that um, <laughs> you know things like this happen everywhere. Um, you know, I guess the uh, former coach in me might want to say that um, the AD in me and the, maybe the father in me says. You know, I, I guess I can't care what happens in the house next door. This is our house, mm-hmm. and uh, we're going to do things a certain way in our house. And, um you know, if it's happening next door, then it's happening next door. And I think every family or father or mother would say that. Um So, you know, while, while there may be others saying, well, this happens here or there, and, and, and it maybe does happen here or there, we're, we're concerned on our house, and, and making sure that our house... um Follows the rules as they're laid out, and um, you know clearly in the NCAA's eyes we didn't do that, and and for that reason we're we're facing some penalties, and and you know we're going to put our tin right in the middle of this, and we're gonna and we're going to rise above it. And as Coach Bennett said the other day, this is a storied pro, uh, uh, program, and and we'll be back, and we will be, um, and we'll support Coach Semling and Coach Sternbach and and the, and the team the best that we can.
0: So let me ask you this: as a women's basketball coach, how easy or how difficult is it to remain in compliance when dealing with out of season practices? And I'm using that term generically. I don't mean that in the NCAA term of the word practice. I mean in the sense of an open gym where the team decides to get together or you happen to walk past and somebody's shooting free throws. How difficult or how easy is it to stay in compliance surrounding off season activities by your team?
4: Uh, that, that, you know, it's. It's a difficult process, it is. I mean, you you know, there's, um, if if you've had an opportunity to, uh, we'll use our men's basketball facility. We play in Quant Gymnasium. Um, Upstairs, the balcony area of that is a a public walkway. Um, You know, there's uh, ROTCs in that building. The strength center's up there. Uh, There's a dance studio up there. There's there's five classrooms right in that area. Um, To get to the parking lot, you walk through there. So, you know, the NCAA, um, the NCAA is pretty understanding about, um, uh, facilities, you know, and, and the way facilities are set up. So, you know, in terms of compliance, I mean, I, I think that's a tough thing to do. I think there's a difference between incidental and, um, um, and, and, you know, just speaking as a basket, former basketball coach, that that's. Uh that's a tough line you know you 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 walk past a, a gym and a kid shooting free throws like you mentioned well <laughs> if they, if you need to talk to that that young person and you think they may need something it's hard not to say man if i could just how are you you know and and i'm just going to speak as Brad Duckworth here i'm not going to speak in in terms of this investigation or anything else I've had an opportunity to serve uh, an institution as the Dean of Students and vice, uh, Associate Vice President of Student Affairs, and if you do retention, they'll tell you the first six weeks of school for a freshman is the most pivotal point in anybody's career, you know, in terms of retention. Well, they'll also tell you that, that in order to ensure to, to retention, you should go to their environment athletics doesn't allow us to do that i mean as a bat- former basketball coach i can't go with my freshman who's brand new and say hey how are you and and that's unfortunate um i hope it's something we look at but um as it's written now it, it's diff- answer your question. Is diff- it's difficult
0: and some remember i uh, wrote an op-ed regarding that line though that six week thing would have been a nice nugget to have when i wrote it uh, mm-hmm. <laughs> i find it ironic let me get to the to the to the decision of su- suspending Bob Semling and and and, and having Kent uh, uh, Dernbach take over, what what was the, what prompted you guys to finally say or decide? Listen, this 13 game, the rest of the season, especially coming off of a game. By the way, it was it feels mm-hmm. like it was last minute, though. I have a feeling behind the scenes it may not have been. What prompted you to say, okay, you know what, our move here is to suspend assembling the rest of the season, half a season, and that is the move that's probably the most pertinent. And why was that decision made when it was versus sooner or later?
4: Well, you know, as we've mentioned, it's a, it's a process that continues. You know, so um, um, you you follow the process. It, it, one of the things that I think is important that people understand um is that the process we, we are doing the best that we can at Steven's point to comply with the timeline and the process and information as we receive it I've, I've been able to say publicly that we received more information back from the NCAA in the middle of December obviously there's some time that goes through the process there so this was a timely response to the to the process of the NCAA and when when we made the move. Um, to suspend Coach Semling for the remainder of the year. So that was um that's just part of the timeline that comes through with the NCAA. Um in terms of moving to Coach Sternbach as our interim head coach, you know that the um I have the utmost faith in Coach Sternbach. He's been around the program. He's a he's a hungry coach. Um as we saw yesterday our guys responded to him and the situation and went to lacrosse and won a, a really <laughs> I mean, it couldn't have been happier for them, especially for the guys. But, you know, in, in, in naming Kent, um, I'm in the business of, of uh, helping student-athletes um, and, and making sure that they have a great experience and, and can learn and can grow. And, and this is really tough on them. It's tough on Bob, and it's, but it's certainly tough on our guys. And uh, to hear that your head coach is not going to be with you and to hear that you can't play in a WIC tournament or the postseason is is tough. So you know, we didn't have a lot of classes. we have we had four people in the building uh that with basketball experience and that's Coach Egner, the women's coach. Well, I don't think we're making that move. Uh that's that's Coach Gilbert, the assistant women's basketball coach, and, and right now we're not gonna make that move. That's me, and I'm certainly not making that move. And then that was Coach Dern for some consistency for our program. Um and we, we gave we, you know, and, and to give our guys uh, a common language, I mean, we turn their world upside down. Um, so familiarity in time of, of crisis certainly helps, and uh, we believe that Kent brought that, and uh, we'll, we'll help lead our through the next, well now, 12 remaining games.
0: I want to get back to the Dernbach in a moment, but I want to follow up a little bit more on Semling. Uh, when you told him, what was his reaction, or did, had he already seen the writing on the wall?
4: Well, as you can imagine, um, um, you know, any who um, is being told that they're going to, you know, basketball coaches, this is one of those professions. Doctors, coaches, you know, you, you call people by their profession. Um, there are very few of those things. And, um, you know, so uh, coaching next to his family is is the most important thing in his life. So when we, when we, um, informed him of what we were going to do in, in this particular season. Um, I, you know, I, I he certainly you're he, not happy. I mean, he certainly wasn't happy, and and um, but you know, it, this program is important to Coach Semling, and and um, you know, he's a professional, and and I, in my opinion, he he handled this as professionally as one could in such a tough situation.
0: I'll ask the question that has certainly been raised. I realize there may not be an answer to this, and I know I shouldn't have prefaced it anyway. Is Coach Semling's job in jeopardy when this thirteen-game suspension is over, and/or the NCA report comes out? And I'm not talking from an NCA point of view. I'm talking from a school point of view.
4: Well, two things. And, and let me be clear: we have suspended Coach Semling for the remainder of the year. I was asked that question at the at the at the press conference, um, and the question was. They're fired, suspended. It's January eighth, twenty seventeen. I anticipate that Coach Semling will be our basketball coach in the fall. Um, you know, and, and and he'll be our basketball coach in seventeen, eighteen. Um you know, so so that part Coach Semling's job has not been taken him. Um he is our basketball coach serving a thirteen game suspension. So I, I think there was a second piece to that, but that's the—he <laughs> he is our basketball coach.
0: Well, it was basically, you know, this is a school decision. Depending on what the NCA uh-huh. says, would his would his job be in jeopardy? Or let me rephrase it maybe better. Once the season, NCA report is coming out, I would assume his job will be reevaluated.
4: Well, the NCAA doesn't really have. Um, perview to remove a coach. What the NCAA right. has is the per- perview to um, make it so difficult that a coach couldn't work. somewhere. Sure, and you I know, don't, and like that's the, why,
0: yeah, and I don't want to say the NCAA. mean, based on the NCAA report, based on what they end up stating, is what. Yeah, I, is what I'm getting at.
4: Well, yeah, we, again, I, it's a fluid process, and and uh, but we believe what we've we've announced is what. We don't. The investigation period is done. We don't anticipate there'll be more um, there. There, in terms of violations or allegations. Now we're in the the next phase of this thing. So, um, you know, we we we've stated and we've said as as emphatically as we can. Coach has been suspended for the remainder of the season, and and as of today, we anticipate that he'll be our coach next season. So, um, obviously like anything else things could change could coach Semling say you know what i've, I've spent my time and you know i've been at stevens point i've been at green bay i've been in new mexico i've come back to stevens point i've had enough he could i, I we don't anticipate that but he could um but you know as of today we anticipate going to be our coach next year and and, and uh and, and and we'll go forward from there.
0: And then my follow up on Ken uh, Dernbach. Uh, I've had several make the comment to me, and I think probably four. You know, probably worthy of that. You know, you talk about uh, an uh, an atmosphere of compliance. You read between the lines. It wasn't just Coach Semling necessarily who probably was in on practice. It was when he shouldn't have. You could argue, and I don't know the case. I realize that that this wasn't a Semling only situation. That other assistant coaches probably. Um, may have participated in these as well, and, and it may be surprising not to see Kent's name in the report when it comes out. With that in mind, it seems surprising to some he would hand over the reins to Kent Dernbach when he may be, maybe by association, but also just as guilty as Bob Semling, if that's what we find out. So why give it to Kent, and why not, in yourself being the prime one I'm looking at, take over the program as we've known many of the athletic director to do in the past?
4: Well, um, that's a great question, you know. And, and um, you know, if you move down to allegation four, um, which is failure, uh, you know, uh, failure to monitor the men's basketball program. Yeah, um, you that's kind of where I'm pointing. Uh, yeah. Well, you know, I mean, there there is a. Um, Uh, There's a shared responsibility and compliance. While it is the head coach's responsibility, it is a shared responsibility. It's a responsibility of everybody in the institution, the head coach, the assistant coach, uh, the athletic director at that time. Um, It's a responsibility of everybody, Um, you know, and uh, we'll be able to speak more about uh, all the details of who did what and when they did it. And because it's, you know the, the beauty of the state of wisconsin is we are bound by very liberal public record laws so there won't be that we would want to anyway but there won't be much that people won't be able to find out um so when this is complete we'll be able to tell you who did what when they did it um and so forth to, to answer your question about kent and and um uh you know moving him forward first of all I, i've been a women's coach for 19 years um I, you know, the, could I coach a men's team? Sure. I could. And could I coach, you know, I could do that, but you know, I, I, believed for our men, most importantly, they needed a familiar face. They needed to move the program forward. I mean, these are 18, 19, 20, 21 year olds that, um, they haven't had enough life experience to, to experience adversity. Well, this is huge adversity for them. Um, and I believe Kent will do a good job. I also believe that the institution needs an administrator right now and a basketball coach. And, and um, having one combined person um, that wasn't that was really never a consideration. It was, um, you know, how how can we how can we service our students and, and remind ourselves that this is about an education, and, and that's where we came to the decision.
0: So, what's the timeline from here?
4: Well, it's, an, it's a fluid process. We anticipate this will be a bit now. Um, we, we, there isn't, um, you know, we, won't, we will submit our final the stuff that they've asked for us uh, over the course of the next couple of weeks. It goes to um, the NCAA and they, the, um, the enforcement staff will finalize a report, finalize uh, our self-imposed. That takes some time it goes to the committee on infractions um they've said that could take you know six to eight weeks and um so we anticipate that it'll be you know april or you know mid-april first part of may at the earliest before we get a final final piece to this um so i, I guess at this point we don't need another uh what we said is you know this last thursday was the earthquake there'll be a number of tsunamis following it you know it's not none of it is good and and um um we don't anticipate there'll be another tsunami here because there's nothing really else to, to come forward except the timeline so i wouldn't ingu- get i would guess a piece of this would be middle april first part of may at the very earliest
0: well, I appreciate you taking the time. Is there anything you wanted? Uh, I got two things left, but is there it, before we let you go? Is there anything you wanted to to make a point to either say to the Stevens Point community that have not heard it, or to the Division Three community?
4: Well, you know, I, number, you know, I want to make sure that um, uh, I continue to repeat that that this this community is terrific we, we moved our family here um in, in the middle of the summer because it's a it's a tight knit community um we have one of the best division three atmospheres in the country we have one of the best wings in the country um, and we have one of the best programs in the country and, and adversity will reveal character And, and our character will shine through. We'll rally together, um, and pull together around it. So we will, we're a story of history and we'll be, we'll get ourselves back there, even though this has been a tough time, um, for every assembling, um, and, and our guys. So thanks for that, that opportunity and, and, and we'll come back stronger than ever, um, here at Stevens Point.
0: Well, I appreciate you taking the time to come on. Yes, I will take you up on the offer once it's out to have you come back on and discuss it maybe in more detail. Sure. Uh, obviously, the the two championships of 2015 have been in, put in question by Thomas Moore losing theirs, and and I'm not saying you're losing yours. It's just an interesting timing that it's the same. Uh, year same championship season that we're now talking about on the pointer side as as well. Uh, As always, as you know, I do give the final word. I know I kind of just did, but is there any other thoughts you want to share with those who may be tuning in?
4: Well, you know, I know a number of listeners follow D3 Hoops, and, um, you know, one, I want to compliment you, and I I mean this in all honesty. You you have been very fair in this process, you've been very accurate in this process, and you've helped um, your listeners Understand that NCAA uh, and, and, and its membership is a process. So I, I want to number one say thank you to that um, and, and, and appreciate that because that's hard to do, and you've done that. So we appreciate that from Stephen's point. Um, and, and and lastly, you know, and, and probably just as importantly, um, we I, I want to end our our men and our coaching staff and our institution. I, I you know in some ways I'm the new guy, but I'm certainly. <laughs> now now in this and um we have and we'll continue to do things as as a, as above board as we 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 know how we've been compliant with this and we'll continue to react to the n c s a and I look forward to that we can start talking about men's basketball in terms of how can we get to our fifth championship <laughs> um, and, 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 that, and, and not this stuff. So th- thanks for your time. I certainly appreciate it.
0: Well, thank you, Brad, for coming on. I appreciate that as well. Uh, it means a lot to us to be able to get the answer of things when we're able to talk to individuals like yourself. Um, good luck the rest of this process. I know you and I will touch, and we'll, I'll look forward to talking to you in the future. Thank you. Now, uh, Brad Dotworth joining us again on the City of Salem hotline from the Uni- or University of Wisconsin Stevens Point Athletics Director. Um, yes, we could talk another half hour on things with him and get information and get insight. Um, but we've talked plenty already. We will continue to. F- To to continue to cover this story. This is not over. As as he indicated, I've been told March or April. He thinks maybe April or May. Any of those timelines is accurate. It really depends on so many different factors. We'll keep tabs on this and see where it goes. We'll also keep tabs on the team and see where they go as well. And if more information uh, comes out and is warranted, we will certainly on hoopsville um with that in mind we want to move on with the show we have lots of coaches and we're already well behind schedule so we need to get going so we have plenty to cover uh coming up we will talk to brooklyn women's basketball we will talk to emory women's basketball and benedictine women's basketball and don't forget we'll head out to the northeast we'll talk to endicott men's back ahead here on Hoopsville. you can always follow us on it on twitter at d3hoops or hashtag Hoopsil. email us hoopsville at d3hoops.com or join us on facebook at facebook.com slash hoopsville don't forget about the hoopsville mailbag coming up at the end of the show email us hoopsville at d3hoops.com thank you for tuning in once again thanks to brad duckworth and everybody at stevens point for their uh, ability out in our coverage and we will be back with more hoopsville from the wbca ABC studios after this and X, we're back now to avoid the confusion that you may be experiencing right now. Is a We were anticipating to run that segment earlier in the show. Um, we had some technical difficulties with the first video version that we had of that, um, and so we had to run it late. So some of those promos who just heard are obviously dated. We already talked to the Brooklyn head coach and we've already covered the mailbag. We've already talked to the other head coaches, et cetera. So that is not coming up. We're going to wrap up this show that is way late due to those technical difficulties and we apologize. Um, Let me get to this point about Steven's point. I don't know if I've been clear about this is not over. Basically, the initial report has been given to Steven's point. The allegations have been stated, and to be blunt, those allegations are basically the the only way those four points and any others that may come out change is if the committee on infractions looks at its own investigator and says, ah, we don't agree. Can you rewrite it? And the chances of that. Now, they could also throw it out. Now, in the Thomas Moore case, remember, the investigation came back saying that the assistant coach basically broke ethical and moral rules, ethical rules in the NCAA. The committee and Thomas Moore certainly put up put up a fight on that one, and the committee agreed and threw that one out. So there is always the chance... That the committee is going to look at any one of these four allegations and say, okay, you know what? That one we don't agree with. It's slim. There isn't an ethical charge that we see in these four. Uh, I don't, uh, one equals one and two equal three and four, it, to be blunt. Um, one being that basketball coaching staff impermissibly directed, observed, and engaged men's basketball student athletes in athletically related activities outside the institutions. Seasons and two, um, impermissibly observed approximately 16 men's basketball prospective student athletes as they participated with student athletes in activities detailed in allegation one. Allegation three is during that same time period, Bob Semling did not demonstrate that he promoted an atmosphere of compliance with the men's basketball program due to his personal involved alleged violations. And number four um, the scope and nature of the violations details in allegations one and two demonstrate that the institution violated the principles of rules compliance when it failed to adequately monitor the men's basketball program compliance with NCA playing and practice seasons and tryout legislation. So let me tell you how the math works on that. You have an allegation in number one that the coaching staff basically participated in out of season activities, and they they can range from from strength and training to or strength classes to conditioning to – and I I should point out, by the way, there was an allegation from the anonymous tip, according to reports that I read, that part of the classes that Bob Semling taught were part of this too. I've been told that that may not be part of the investigation, but we'll have to wait till the NCAA comes out on that. But as part of strength training out of season, conditioning out of season, team getting together out of season and practicing together, the coaching staff – observed and engaged in that it sounds like there's proof of that and i am we're not talking about one an occasional walk by the gym this sounds deep more detailed than that in the second one in those same activities that prospective students took place this is a big no-no in division three there's been multiple legislation that has been shot down uh, over in division three in the last couple of years to open those types of things up we can get into a whole debate on whether that's a fair thing to do to prospective students, and and I can be on both sides of that argument, but the rules are you cannot do it. You cannot essentially have a pseudo-tryout for a prospective student with the team, whether they're practicing with the team, trying out, whatever, at all. Allegation number two has 16 occasions based on that. That sounds like they've got a lot of proof regarding that one. So now it mounts. The third allegation basically says that Bob Semling did not have a, an air of compliance about this, meaning he either, and I and I, these are my words, either said, we don't care about those rules, we're going to find ways around them, or those are minor rules, it's okay to break them, or he knew they were being broken and didn't care to fix them, or encourage them to be broken, any along the lines of, you under basically they're saying you understood this was going on and you did not stop it. And as head coach of the program, you're responsible to be compliant with NCAA rules. You run your program, you run it right. Allegation three says you didn't run it right. Allegation four puts the cherry on the, on the, on the Sunday by then turning to the institution and saying, and you knew things weren't right and you knew that the coach may not have been having a was having a compliance issue and you did nothing about it four is wide open four could point in a half a dozen different directions all at the same time or only one or two it could be pointing at the former athletics director and Darren Montgomery it could be reporting at the compliance director on the campus the women's basketball coach, Shirley Egner, and I think some others. I don't think she's the only one, but I could be wrong. It could be pointing at other administrators in the athletics department, outside the athletics department. There's a whole number of people that could point to. But one and two equal three, and three equals one, two, and three, four. So, And clearly by the punishment handed down of suspending Bob Semling, for as much as they've suspended him, Stevens Point has the feeling from the NCAA that there's plenty of evidence and that number three is damning and so is number four. And that's where we're at. Now, we're going to have to wait from the NCAA to si- find out how badly the NCAA feels about this. They're either going to say, listen, Stevens Point, we accept your punishments. We'll leave it at that. They, may, they will tack on some administrative punishments. There'll probably be a fine. The um, the school's going to have to go and, f- and he probably every year or every other year to to prove their compliance. They're probably going to have to go to extra compliance seminars and meetings. That's that's a no brainer. That always happens. Um, that stuff's that stuff's a rubber stamp. We know that stuff's coming. That's not what we're looking for. That additional punishment is obvious. The additional punishment that may or may not happen is does Semling get suspended by the NCA further? Or really, they don't. They may not suspend him further, but they may put a show of cause on him. And a show of cause is a damn. That's what Duckworth was alluding to. The show of cause is the most damning punishment. Very difficult for him to get a job if a show of cause is on for a year, two years, five years. And I think there was a case at Oh Hunter or Hartwick. I want to say it was Hunter. And believe it or not, I was an IT professional. Long story short, we won't get into the details, but got to show a cause, I believe, of five years, which means if he gets any other job with a school in the NCAA and as any job, I think even associated with with athletics, and it may not even be associated with athletics, but period, he has. they have to prove some things to the NCAA over the course of five years. Basically, that guy's never deployed by an athletics department or anybody or any job remotely associated with an athletics department in an NCAA school um baruch got a couple show of cause for the vice president and the former women's basketball coach basically making that women's basketball coach he'll never have another division three head coaching job may never have an assistant head coaching job either um may never have another athletics job period um the show of cause is what's gonna be interesting i don't know if they'll throw that on bob semley I, i i but that's what brad duckworth was alluding to and there may be others. That's what we don't know. We don't know if they're going to accept the punishments or tack on. And I'm not talking about the administrative punishments. I'm talking, I'm talking about more. Will they add another year of postseason ban? They will most likely put the school, if not the program, on probation. The question is, do they put the program on probation or do they put the entire athletics department on probation? You can make an argument for both. And then the question is, do they lose the national title? I think you can argue it both ways. I think you can look at this and say, listen, there were no ineligible students. Um, the team didn't have any problems with the players. Um, the games were clean, as it were, unlike in the Thomas Moore case, where technically Sidney Moss was actually ineligible, making those games invalid due to the time she played. In that case, no, I don't see the title being taken away from Stevens' point. However, you can argue the other side of that, that these extra practices as they were, air quotes, practices as they were, allowed the team to be more cohesive before October 15th. October 15th comes along and the team coaching staff doesn't have to spend as much time doing, let's say, A, B, and C, like everybody else does. They can get right to D, E, and F of the plan. They're further along. And as a result, they get into the season better. And as they get through the season better, they take less losses. They're in better position for an at-large. They're in better position to host the NCAA. They're in better position in the WIAC, which allows in the long run to, for a better run through the NCAA tournament. And thus a national championship. You can make that argument. And I don't know a lot of coaches who won't look you square in the face and say darn right that can lead that those advantages can lead directly to a national championship. And if the NCA feels about it, then yes, that trophy is in danger. Again, I can argue both. So I don't know where this goes. It's interesting. And I will say this now i know there's an argument out there like well this is happening at schools across yes i will not deny that this is probably happening accidentally or purposefully at other schools in division three it is the, the practice rules are difficult however brad duckworth i think said something interesting in that statement it doesn't what others are doing. It matters what we're doing. And if we're doing it incorrectly, and the NCAA has found us to be doing it incorrectly, then we are at fault. Be damned anybody else. I think this will do two things. One, other programs will wake up and go, oh, we need to clean ourselves up before we're caught. The other thing that will happen is, more schools will be reported. How the invest self-reported or anonymously, it will be reported before the NCA. Here's the deal: you want to report this first. If the NCA gets a tip or finds it themselves first, the punishment is worse than you reporting it first. There's an example in Division I where that isn't the case. We could go into that, but but nonetheless. Could Stevens Point being used as an example? Yes, but not because they're Stevens Point. Not because they won a national title. They they may end up being used as an example because they are a second time offender. Bob Semling was an assistant coach under Jack Bennett when they got caught the first time. They should know better. Even if there was completely a different coach, a new staff, and new administration altogether, it does not matter in the eyes of the NCAA. Let's give you an, a, a huge example here. Do you remember, was it SMU football got the, got the death penalty back in what was the 90s for their tactics? And if you don't know the story of that, you should look it up. Players were getting cars. I mean, it was ridiculous. They got the death penalty that killed that football program and athletics department. Let's just say in five or so many years, SMU football comes roaring back. And they're doing the exact same thing or some of what they were doing back in the 90s. It's completely a different administration. It's a completely different coaching staff. Everything's different except for the fact that they already should know better. Just because it's new doesn't mean you ignore the thing that came out before. It's a second time offense. And I have a sinking suspicion that the investigation didn't find occasional problems. They found significant problems or they found significant breaking of the rules or they found a conspiracy, for lack of a better word, to break said rules. That's what has escalated this to a major violation. And I will warn those now some parties are still trying to spin this like it's no big deal. It's a big deal. In the eyes of many in Division 3, practice rules and recruiting rules are major tenets of Division 3. I've made this argument on the boards before too. No rule in Division 3, no rule in the NCAA is minor. They're all major. It's just a question of is the violation minor or is the violation major? This is clearly a major violation. In the first offense under Jack Bennett, the MAC <laughs> asked the NCAA if they could investigate it for the NCAA. The NCAA approved that. They approved of the of the very minor penalties associated with that. And Stevens Point ran off to win a national championship after losing a couple of preseason practices as a result. The NCAA was asked again from what I've been told by the WIAC: can we investigate this as well for you? And the NCAA said, no. The NCAA was taking this as a major offense from the get-go. And when investigators show up on your campus, you know it's a mess. There are people still trying to spin this and wrap their mind and think this is a minor deal. This is not a minor deal. I am hoping that this is the worst of it. I am hoping what Stevens point, Brad Duckworth, the chancellor and whomever, the punishments that they put forth, the NCAA says, you're fine. Here are a few other administrative punishments that you need to deal with. Otherwise, we're good. We will now close the books on this, and we will move on. I fear the NCAA won't. And let's remember one key thing, folks. The NCAA, when I'm talking about them, is not Indianapolis. The NCAA is fellow Division Three members. The infraction committee is made up of fellow Division 3 members. The rules are created by fellow the entire group of Division 3 members. This is not Indy sitting in an office saying, "Well, you broke our rules. How dare you do that? We shall now punish you." No. This is Division 3 turning to a fellow institution and say, hey, remember these rules? We wrote them together and you're breaking them. We as a group agreed to these rules. You by default have agreed to these rules and you have chosen to break our rules as a group. We will not have that. That's what this is. Don't think this is Indy. Don't think this is D1. Uh, My Lord, I can't believe the Division 3s are breaking these. No, this is Division 3 saying to Division 3, stop. Is this a bigger problem? Possibly. And this message better be heard. And I will go back and say this again. The one we really should be talking about is Baruch Baruch. And we're not. Leave it on that. We're going to have a lot more to talk about Stephen's Point over the time, but we are way over our time. We're past three hours, and I apologize for any of you who may time your life around a two-hour show, including my wife. We're going to get going. We'll be back on the air Thursday. Remember, we are Wednesday scheduled 7 o'clock Eastern time, which means on Thursday, we will be covering the East and Mid-Atlantic, Great Lakes, and West regions primarily, along with the NABC Coaches Corner. And then back on Sunday night, We'll once again tackle the Northeast, the Atlantic, the South, and the Central region. So the South sometimes bleeds into a Thursday show just because a travel schedule depends on the schedule. We will also alternate in our men's and, our co- men's and women's and conferences, etc. Uh, if you have a question for our mailbag, email us, hoopsill at d3hoops.com. If you have a question for us in general, tweet us at d3hoopsill and hashtag hoopsill or email us, as we mentioned. You can also join us on Facebook, facebook.com slash hoopsill, or join us on Instagram. Three Hoopsville as well. I well, want thank all of our guests for coming on the show. Uh, a number to name: Alex Lang from Brooklyn, Christy Thomas Cuddy from Emory, of course, um, uh, Coach Avercamp from um, Benedictine. Of course, I also want to thank uh, Brad Duckworth from Stevens Point. I have a feeling I am forgetting somebody. Uh, and, oh, of course, Endicott, Coach Betancourt from Endicott for coming on the show. Also, the sports information directors from all those institutions for helping me out. Really appreciate it. We'll be back on the air Thursday. Don't forget, a couple notes. We do have the Hill Marathon show coming up in about a month's time. Be on the lookout for more information. We will also be uh, debuting our fundraising efforts once again. And if you have a jersey, Amapo and New Jersey City and any of the rest, like Brockport, who have sent them in to us, or you have anything else you'd like to send us as part of the show, please do so. Email us or tweet us. We'll get you information on how to do so. Thank you for tuning in, everybody. Really appreciate it. And Again, appreciate everybody for uh, listening. Sorry for the technical difficulties. Today It's just one of those shows. But we've been listening to Hoops. Hope presented by D3Hoops.com from the WBCA and ABC Studios. Thank you to our sponsors, including the City of Salem, for the sponsor of our hotline. Appreciate you taking the time to listen. Hope you enjoyed it. And remember, you can watch us on demand or download the podcast on Ho- on SoundCloud and iTunes. Good night, everybody. We'll see you on Thursday.